Welcome to the Points League. I'm your host and commissioner, Sean Murphy. With me this Sunday, July 30th, 2023, at the conclusion of week 16 of the fantasy baseball season is Tim Byrne, once again from Bloomington, Indiana. How are you doing this evening, Tim? Well, I'm probably this evening going to be updating my team name from Soapy Titties to Droopy Titties because <laughs> I am not, I'm not doing well. This, this has been, been a rough stretch for me um, since basically I won the Kevin Gossman trade circa one month ago, and it's been mostly downhill ever since then, so uh, not great, not great. Yes, the, uh, the very high dollar trade that went down maybe 35 minutes after my wedding ceremony <laughs> concluded and uh, got to push that one through. And uh, I think it was certainly the talk of, uh, of the dinner tables for uh, at least uh, a couple minutes. <laughs> I, do the, I, I do enjoy that. That will forever be part of your wedding experience was perhaps you at your, uh, you know, bride and groom dinner table pushing through a Kevin Gossman trade that I negotiated with Whitney <laughs> not 10 minutes beforehand. Yeah. Yep. I knew it was going to happen. I was just, and I knew that I probably was not going to get the player. Like I kind of envisioned this scenario playing out in my head even before the wedding. And, uh, you know, I did my best to drive up that price. And uh, it certainly seems like Adam got a pretty good deal out of it. And, and you got probably the, you got the, the best pitcher available um, that'll probably hit the market. Now, whether or not he gets yeah. resold, I think, is now everyone's question to you. Because you're looking like you're going to go, what, you're going to be 8-8 eight eight after this? Yeah. And I would I would suspect I would need to almost win out. If not, I could lose maybe one more game. And like it's, I think it's historically pretty hard to make the playoffs in the league if you haven't – if you've got, like, 10 losses. That's, that's, a, that's a tough mark. Yeah, usually I tell people you have a pretty good chance if you hit 14 wins. Um, like I think that's yeah. typically the, the low end for that last playoff spot. And I think that'll probably be the mark again this year. I do think whoever gets that fourth spot, I think the tiebreaker of total points is definitely going to come into, into play. Um, you know, whatever. Because I think there's there's four teams in or really, yeah, one, two, three. I think there's three teams in particular that are in it for that last, for those yeah. last two spots, and um, and that's me, Matt, and Vandy. Um, and I got beat by Matt this week, uh, and I played Vandy down the line. So um, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty tight, I think. Yeah, it doesn't look good for me either. I still have a happy matchup. I play you, and I have played Matt the last week of the season, which, you know, it could be like a, a fatal thing if I got lucky enough to get there. But I really need to – I mean, what really actually screwed me over was my loss to VJ like three weeks ago. Mm. And, of course, I, I cemented that too by talking some shit, you know, early on in the season. said, VJ's going to have exactly two wins, and it's going to ruin somebody's playoff chances. And sure as shit, it was me. It was me. Yep. <laughs> That's Classic the way game. it goes. <laughs> yep. I mean, his team actually isn't that bad, um, or at least in spots. Like, I feel like his team has gotten better 
um, as he's like picked up players and kind of wheeled and dealed a little bit, played the, the waiver wire. Um, and I, yeah, I'll be curious to see what else he sells. I know he's definitely not done selling. Um, I'm very curious to see what it takes to get Jack to move off of some of his players. He actually still has one of the best offensive teams in the league. Like I think he's like third in offensive points still. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, and, and Will is basically they, dead at this point. Yeah, that, I, but you know there there's I think plenty of people that and plenty of players that could be available for sale. I don't know who is buying and buying with what resources. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's a, a, a little bit of cash left up at the top, not a ton. Um, I think people at the top are wise enough, unlike Rob Crabb in the, in the chat last week to, uh, know that truly cheap keepers are the gold standard in this league and, and, and to be able to have that flexibility in your keeper, but keeper budget under that 90 bucks is, is vitally important. So, you know. Could I be at a point here where I just tried to sell right for you? Sure, absolutely. But um, am I going to get a true long-term kind of value piece um, back? You know, I could I get twenty bucks from somebody? Sure, but you know, I don't. Uh, what the fuck is twenty bucks going to do for me? Not not anything now. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's going to be tough. Like I, contrary to what Dan said, I, I feel like I've put out some pretty sizable cash offers for players um and, and maybe maybe people are valuing particularly offensive hitters that keep for cheap um a little more or think a little bit more highly of, of them than i do or value them at least that way um i've got a big offer out to you just in case you decide to move on with your life um i what is funny is right before we started this i just got a text message from scott vanderpool and I told him I was ready to walk off a bridge. But I won't do that at least until uh, August 9th, the trade deadline. So you can come back to me then. We'll see where see where the temperature is. Gotcha. I see. So this is like if you make if you make the decision to trade, it's gonna be a like a, a midnight sort of deal. Like I think so. I mean, listen. I I thought I would beat Jack this week, and I would then beat Adam next week, and then have like some momentum going forward. Um, and see where things are at. Uh, I expect still to beat Adam next week. <laughs> as soon as I say that, maybe not. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But then, it, you know, part of it is just seeing what other uh, losses and things happen over next week too, right? If uh, Vandy goes down or Matt loses a game or somebody, some pitcher gets hurt, you know, or something else, that may dictate whether or not I want to just roll the dice and, and stay in it. I'm feeling a little gun shy because I rolled the dice and stayed in it last year. Yeah. Didn't make it. I roll on the dice this year, but then I, I, I did, you know, last year I didn't get Garrett Cole from Adam. This year I did get Kevin Gossman from him. And, and I'm feeling like I can't win one way or another. <laughs> um, but uh, we'll see. I, I think I'm definitely just going to, I'm going to wait and see how things unfold in the next few days. And, uh, you know, I mean, Mookie right now has a sore ankle. Mm -hmm. I don't know Saw that. how to, how do you have a sore ankle? You're come on. Um, Mookie bats. So we'll her. see. If, we'll see how things shake out, but uh, I think I think the deadline is is where I'll be. Yeah. Um, we did have an interesting, uh, not really an upset, but Andrew finally lost um, to Tom. 
Uh, Andrew actually has, I don't know if you've looked at his schedule, he probably has the easiest uh, strength of schedule for the rest of the season. He plays, I think you're his toughest opponent the rest of the season, oh and everyone God. else is like below you. I mean, he was he has been on an absolute heater of points. Like, if you look at his schedule, let's I mean, he was scoring like 375 there for five, six, seven straight weeks. It was unbelievable what he was doing. Yeah. Well, he had Kershaw then. Should get him back pretty soon. Um, I'm curious to see if he what if he makes an additional move. Obviously, Bandy's going to try to make some moves. Um, he's got players coming back too, although I don't really know what the Trout situation is. But um, you know, as I said, I, I just feel like Scott's going to go see Biscuit on this thing, and uh, someone between <laughs> myself and, and Matt are going to be pretty disappointed. Um, I think. Because I, I, I think for oh. sure it's going to be Andrew and Tom, one, two. Um, like, I just can't see yeah. either of them falling out of those spots. So. Yeah, whoever ends up fourth is going to be just praying to the, the baseball gods for just a lucky, lucky matchup. But it's going to be a real tough matchup. Yeah. We've, seen it, we've seen it happen before. Uh, we saw Andrew do it to Vandy one year when Vandy was the uh, basically – just sleepwalked uh, right through the regular season and then got bounced. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a cruel game, fantasy baseball playoffs. It is it is a very cruel game indeed. Um, anything else fantasy baseball related that you want to touch on? It could be real life too. I know obviously we have the real trade deadline coming up. Um, doesn't seem like the Cubs are going to move Bellinger anymore, um, which is interesting. Him being on. Isn't he on a one-year deal? Yeah. Um, it might be, like, one and then a club option. That mm. maybe, like, seems right. I know they gave – I mean, they they basically gave him a, a prove-it contract. Right. And um, he's proving it, which is great. Um, and they're in a weird spot. Like, they, I don't know why they would buy because they're not – they're not going to win the World Series. They're not going to make the World Series. Uh, you could you can make a there's a lot of uh, Chicago Cubs Twitter that talks about like maybe you should just sell because if you're not you're you either should be buying or selling or whatever. I, I'm of the of the kind of like well, how about you just play it out? You know, just let it go. I think if you get hot, you get in some competitive games, maybe even you know make the playoffs, and some of the younger guys get some some playoff experience and something else. I, I, that seems like a, a a right thing to do, but. Um, they're kind of they they are approaching no man's land. Although they've done well to get themselves to no man's land by yeah. winning like you know ten of eleven or so here. They've been hot, yeah. I've noticed that because I mean the Reds and the Brewers have basically been kind of trading first place back and forth in the Central. And I saw that the the Cubs were above five hundred. If you're above five hundred in the Central, you probably should just play it out. Um, so I I agree with your assessment. I don't really know what you would part with. That would help long term anyway. Like if there was like maybe the right deal for Marcus Stroman, where you're getting like a a younger pitcher with that's cost controllable or something like that. But I just yeah. can't imagine they're going to be that much of an impact, especially given how poorly Stroman has pitched um, over the past couple of weeks. Um, yeah, so. I don't I don't think there's any great deal out there for them to be had. Yeah. How do you feel about the Reds? Have you ordered your De La Cruz jersey yet? <laughs> you know, I might. I, I, 
it's so funny, like, kind of picking, like, who's your favorite. Like, I've never... I, I was talking, we were texting a couple weeks ago, and you know the the only player that I've seen that is as toolsy as Ellie is is Eric Davis, um, which is like yeah. 20, 25, 30 years ago um, at this point, and um, you know he's just amazing to watch. Like he just like just running, you know, hitting the ball, you know, four hundred and sixty feet. Um, he threw out someone at home like a hundred miles an hour on the relay. Like yeah. it, he's just like one of those players where you just can't take your eyes off of him. Um, and fortunately, it's like all the guys within the red system are all coming up basically at the same time, and there's still a couple to come. The big question that I have for the team is they are going to get rid of an infielder, and I just don't know who it is. It's not going to be Jonathan India because he just went on the IL today. I would guess yeah, that maybe. No, you know, Nick Senzel would go, but they, they still have, they have Nove Marte is in AAA. Um, I think long-term Christian Carcino Strand ends up at first, and then you'll see some Spencer Steer, like kind of rotating around the diamond because he could pretty much play probably anything but shortstop. Um, but to me, that is the question, is is who who are they moving on from? Um, and, and presumably they're going to get pitching in return. Um but but that's that's the question that I have for the Reds um, as the yeah. deadline approaches. Senzel would make the most sense to move on, in my opinion. I mean, he's he's kind of had the most time to prove it and quite hasn't done it. I, India's had more highs, I think. Um, although there was some pretty hot rumors about moving India a few weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if he's on the IL, then, then that's, that ship has sailed. But uh, they do have a lot of choices to make. Yeah, I think they will move India, but I don't think they'll do it till after the season. Um, I just don't think it may. I mean, especially with him going on the IL, it's definitely not going to happen. But like, he's not a particularly great defensive infielder, um, and he has he has some value. He hasn't. He's not getting paid a lot yet, um, and they just have. I mean, they just have too many people. Like, eventually, you're going to want it to be Marte. De La Cruz, McLean at second, and then you know, a, you know, a number of people at uh, at first base once Vado retires. Um, so, yeah, I I think that's that's the situation. I don't think India want, would want to move to the outfield, and I don't know that his bat plays well enough to really move. But um, yeah, he's had he's definitely a player that's like gets real hot and then he gets real cold and just a, a roller coaster. Um, particularly this season, but it's really just been good that he's been healthy, frankly, for the most part. Um, up until uh, this week, I guess it's like a plantar fasciitis type of thing. Um, any other items, baseball-wise? No, I. I mean, I'm really excited to see. Uh, I mean, the Orioles are leading the division right now. They've made a, a really good run. The Rays have. I mean, they started off so hot, but they 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 had a really terrible July. Um, but there's a lot of like uh, I think a little bit of new blood. I think we yeah. were all pretty set on um, some teams there. But I mean, the the Braves are still really good. They're going to be really hard to beat. The Dodgers are still going to be there. Um, but there's some some new blood around. I think that'll be really interesting. The Rangers trading for Scherzer was I think a pretty I, 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 kind of bold move. Um, he's he's not had the greatest uh, season and. Um, we'll see how it goes. It, it does seem like he'll be there next year too, and you know they they are on the Jacob Degrom 
uh, hot potato game as well for right. next year. Although, and he's probably going to miss most of that anyway, but um, they're, they're going for it too. So I, I, I do think it'll be a really fun um, sort of late September and October in Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah. I am full-throated endorsement of the Orioles. They are just kicking the shit out of Luis Severino right now. And you just hate to see him, Rob Crabb. Um, but um, it's, uh, yeah, no, I, I think they'll be, they'll be fun to watch in October um, down the stretch. Um, a lot of intrigue, um, which is really good. Obviously, or it's been well-documented. Um, you know, the, the ratings have been up. Attendance has been up around Major League Baseball. I think the rule changes that have been made have been, you know, made a really positive impact um, on the game as a whole. Um, so it's good to see. It's good to see. Uh, so I didn't mention this at the very beginning of the podcast, but we're going to kind of do a dual um, pod. So this this is being recorded again, July thirtieth, um, with Tim. I am going to do the second part of the pod with Rob in Toronto next weekend. So this will probably not be published until August seventh or eighth, basically basically right before the deadline. Um, so just kind of an FYI there, if you're like kind of wondering what we've been talking about, it doesn't really match what you're seeing in real time um, for the week. Um, but you messaged me a couple weeks ago with a great idea of doing kind of a, uh, a TV, uh, media, movie, um, entertainment. pod, entertainment pod, um, yeah. and uh, you know, kind of centered around The Bear, which is a, a show that both you and I like. We've had to delay this in part because the bear did not come out in, in Canada until this past week, and Amanda and I binged watched it um, over the course of, I think, about four days. Um, and I thought it was a really tremendous season, but um, you know, what were, what were your thoughts? I loved it. It was, um, I mean, I, th- I think the first season of the bear was really good. Um, I don't think it, it didn't win any sort of awards, but it was a good, it was a nice sort of binge watch, typically sort of a half hour episode, um, 10 episodes per, like in the first season. Um, so I was excited for the second season to come out and it's based in Chicago. Um, it's about a sandwich shop and um, this main character who's sort of a, a really high flying, uh, really talented chef and comes back to take over his brother's restaurant after his brother uh, commits suicide. Um, but the second season is, in my mind, like the best thing that I've watched in three, four years. I, I mean, I loved it. I there. I mean, there's two in particular episodes that I really, really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think really help encapsulate it. But the bear does a really great job of character development beyond just sort of a, a main star. Um, it does a great job of, I guess, what what some shows do at times, which is sort of have sort of isolated episodes, but those mm-hmm. episodes still build in, in, in part of a, a larger narrative. Um, you know, this this would happen uh, back in the day with sitcoms where they'd just have like, oh, the one where Joey gets caught with a couch in the stairwell or whatever. I, I'm not a friends person, but, um, right? And it has like basically- <laughs> That actually was an just, episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, uh, they, you just do it because you have to put out 22 episodes for ABC Network in 2002. So that's just the way the entertainment world worked. Um, it's, but nowadays, so nowadays more of it's a lot of a longer build over an entire season. But the bear not only builds over the entire season, but is able to have these somewhat of, of just tangents um, going off. And so I, I really loved it. The 
this is a big spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched it. I'll try not to, to give away too much, um, but I do want to give everybody a big hard recommendation. Like you should absolutely go watch this. You could bang out the first season, and the second season, in a binge watch over over a weekend easily. Um, not too bad to watch. But the the big arc in season two is this episode fishes that does this sort of prequel look back uh, to all the characters and. For anybody that uh, grew up in a household with not great parents or lots of family trauma and um, mental health issues and uh, whatever else, it was the most wild depiction of family drama uh, in a real way. Just sort of um, what what is it like to be part of a family, but a family that's broken, a family that has people with real problems uh, all centered around a holiday and you're just trying to have one nice Christmas dinner without uh, shit hitting the fan. And guess what? Uh, the shit hit the fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, it was an incredible episode. It was, it actually ran really long. It's like an, a little over an hour. I think just it was even an hour and a half and it's got unusual guest sure. stars everywhere. Yeah. Um, uh, Bernthal is in there. It's got Emma Paulson. It's got uh, John Mulvaney. Yeah, Bob Odenkirk, it, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Bob Odenkirk, yeah, yeah. It's it's it, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it too as the mother who's. Um, it's it's a I think an over the top performance, but I think it has to be for the the, yeah. the narrative of the show. But I loved it. I mean, to me, it, it was definitely like the best thing that I've watched in a, in a long time. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you what your favorite episode was, and that one was was Numero Uno for me for the reasons that you listed. Um, I, I remember going to, like as a kid, in particular going to Christmas dinners like that where you had like extended family and you have grandparents and at the time we had our great grandparents and so everyone would cram in to kind of this little house and like all the kids would be downstairs and all the parents are interacting and you know, there's just so much, you know, you're excited to see people there but there's a lot of like family politicking, you know, just, you know, people oh. trying to, you know, get, get, you know, a, a chin up on the other, you know, through, you know, whether it be work or how special their fucking kid is or whatever, the kind of, you know, kind of keeping up with the Joneses within like the family that you kind of see at those events. And, you know, everyone's worried about the dinner and you're trying to get everything out and just like kind of like a, a pressure cooker, not to, uh, to yes. use a kind of a pun there, um, of a situation. And like, it, it just kind of took me back. Um, to, to those memories. Um, but I'm sure you had those yeah. as well. Um, did you, I, <laughs> I was gonna say, did you typically stay in like the Hammond area or did you have to like drive like elsewhere? Typically, yeah, we just stay in there. Uh, and then it would be the thing where sometimes we would have the extended family come in. Other times, if the previous year was bad, then they wouldn't come back oh, wow. in. <laughs> okay. Um, so it, it was a, you know, if, if you never had that experience, I mean, congratulations that you, you got a really great family. Um, that, <laughs> really jealous of that. But if you've had some issues, it, it, everything got covered in there. And it was, it was like, wow, I feel in a way this is, I, like, I feel like I was 14 again. And I'm like, I have no idea if this shit is about to pop off and if, if Uncle Joe is going to hit my dad or my dad's going to hit him first or whatever. Like, it was... It got really real. And like the coolest thing to me was, so that, I mean, I think that's my favorite episode. The the other episode comes right after that. Um, it's, and the episode's called Forks. Um, and it features this enigmatic character um, 
Richie, the cousin. And it's just, it's, it's almost a solo episode about him and his entire development, which is really interesting. And the I mean, this is a little detail, but I think it's really cool. All the episodes are um, elements that are tied together, and then they form the entire menu for this restaurant. So Fishes was episode six. Forks is episode seven. There's you know, some other stuff. But the critical point in episode six of Fishes is this uh, tension between Bob Odenkirk and, and Bernthal, their characters, and they're threatening to throw forks at each other. He's like, I will throw this fucking fork at you. And it's waiting, and you're waiting to see if it actually happens. And then, boom, the next episode is about forks. And it's, but it's forks in a different way, and Richie's got to, like, clean the forks and get forks ordered for the restaurant and stuff. It just, it's a really, really smart show that ties together themes without it feeling too overt, but in a, in a really connected way. I, I mean, I, I just absolutely loved it. So that was also my, uh, the show I had on here is my favorite, so I'm actually a little annoyed at you. Um, but yeah, I thought the Richie, the Richie episode where he finds his purpose, more or less, in the kitchen, yeah. which was a struggle from the outset, like in the, in the first episode of the season, um, was, it was great to see. I, I don't know, it's like one of those few shows where you end up kind of cheering for everyone um, in part because they're all, you know, flawed or have been, you know, damaged in some way. Um, so in a lot of ways, and like, uh, I'll, I'll throw this at you um, and see if you agree with it, but it's it's basically a dark version of Ted Lasso. Yes, I, and I saw that actually like somewhere online. Someone's like, this is the same thing. It's just, uh, you know, where Ted Lasso is very just, oh, gee willikers, you just got to pull through or whatever. Right. This is the like... It, it is the opposite, but it is also the same vector, and it's going towards the same type of arc in, in many ways. And, and and I like Ted Lasso too. It's it's just uh, as sweet as a Ted Lasso is. This is the savory comparison to, to balance it out. Yeah, I, I definitely to you, to prefer the the bear. I'm just, I just definitely prefer a more cynical show. And and another show that that is also very cynical would be Succession, um, that we can talk about in a moment. I wanted to ask you two other things, though, on the bear, um, and they're they're both kind of different. But one is, did you notice the two rounders references in the season? Um. Yeah. Now it's been a while since I've watched this. Since I watched the second season, there was one that I definitely caught. Um. I I, I can't remember. You go go for it. You so one is there, there's actually just a poster of Rounders in I can't remember whose bedroom it um, is, but it's in one of the first two episodes. It's in the very first episode. It's it's Richie is he's in the basement. That's where Richie's sort of talking. He's like, hey, can I get a minute to talk with you? And he's like, I don't have a minute for this. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck, you're actually like going through some yep. shit right now. Hold on. And yes, there was a poster there. And um and then the second one was. Baby, I'm a big star now, which is a B-side track, I guess, from Counting Crows, but it's actually the same song that concludes Rounders, and I, like, I'll tell you what, in the mid-2000s, like, I obsessed over this song because I couldn't fucking find it, like, on LimeWire or whatever, yeah. and, um, yeah, so when it came on, like, I just, I don't know, I get all sorts of, like, goosebumps when I hear it, so... It was really good, and they have, it's a great soundtrack. Yeah. Like, if you want to go find the Bear Season 2 soundtrack on Spotify, like, R.E.M. is featured heavily and, and some stuff. Like, it's a, it's a really good soundtrack. And my favorite part, <laughs> it was great. There's a, there's a sort of culminating lecture between 
this, you know, uh, family uncle who has everybody kind of on the clear and right. He sees mm-hmm. things pretty good. And he gives it, Carmen, the main character, is, he's not a sports character at all. He doesn't know any sports, really. He's a chef, right? He, he's kind of in that lane. Um, but he gives this whole diatribe about basically Steve Bartman and mm-hmm. the Cubs. And he's trying to, he goes, do you know who Alex Gonzalez is? And the Carmen maker was like, no, who's that? He played for the Cubs. Okay, like, what about it? And it goes through the whole thing, which is, which is true, is that, like, you know, Bartman got all this blame. But the real problem was Alex Gonzalez, a shortstop, earlier in the game, earlier that inning, um, like, botched a super easy, like, throw in, in a ground ball to shortstop. And the wheel, the wheels absolutely came off. Um, and I love I, that's. I mean, that's a really cool thing for I think a small subset of the audience of the of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But the Chicago Italians are really cool, and they're they're done well. It's it just it feels exactly like Chicago. It's very South Side of Chicago. Like there's yeah. a lot of Richie as a character is a guy that I know in five yes. different versions. Yeah. Um, it is incredible. So I, I love that part of it. I mean, in particular for me, obviously, it feels, it feels great. Yeah, and I mean, the main character, Carmi or Carmen, was in Shameless, which is also based out of basically South Side of Chicago. Um, Jeremy Allen White, um, and he's like he has such like an interesting look to him because his eyes are like bugged out, but like he has like these like very bright blue eyes. He's a short guy, but he has these massive biceps, and so like it's just kind of he's just one of those characters. Yeah. Where you, yeah, you just like, can't really take your eyes off of him because he has such a unique look. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, and, and a great yeah. Really, his his character in the bear has a has basically a lot of neuroticism, and you, he plays that element of it so well. You and when you're watching it, you can see that this guy is just like trying to think about too many things at once. He can't quite make the decision. He's nervous about these things. He's battling these other demons and family history and stuff, and, and he does a, a real tremendous job in playing that role. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, big show, or a show that, it's funny, I think at the beginning you mentioned that it didn't win any awards, and I think I heard that the reason for that is because season one didn't, like, debut until the summer, it missed the cutoff oh. point. So, like, this year for, like, the Emmys and stuff like that, it'll be up for season one, and then the following year, which I think Season two is probably better than season one. Um, I mean, it'll win awards um, in, in both seasons, but I, I think this season in particular, I think that they particularly like the, uh, you know, the role of a, like a supporting actor and then like a, like, and then also in like a cameo, like I think, you know, you'll see several nominations um, from this show yeah. um, as well. And, uh, yeah, and once again, you can find The Bear on FX, or if you're here in Canada, you can find it on Disney+. Plus. Um, <laughs> to, to my annoyance. Um, before we, we kind of transition in to one of the other shows, um, I did, well, actually, maybe this transitions into um, The Old Man, but you, you said that you wanted to give a recommendation for that real quick, and that also plays on FX? Yeah. I, I mean, I've got lots of uh, TV rants here, and, and that's why I, I, I'm sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Um, but yes, yeah, so if you're thinking like, oh, worry, Tim and Sean. Tim and Sean gave a great recommendation. Um, uh, is it worth it? There's another show on FX that I watched this past spring that was really good called The Old Man. It stars Jeff Bridges um, as sort of this 
quote retired uh, sort of FBI secret agent type model. Obviously, Jeff Bridges is like seventy years old, um, and so it, it's so I, I I struggle to say anything about it because if I start to, then the entire thing starts to unwind because it's also a mystery about like okay, this guy is maybe out of the Secret Service in certain ways, but also clearly still involved. He has these very um, cryptic telephone calls with his daughter that it's clear that they're in some communication about stuff, but they obviously know that they could be, lines could be tapped, everything else. And um, he says some things at one point where he's talking to somebody else and they go, when, when's the last time, you know, you saw your daughter thinking it would be like months. He's like, Oh, I haven't seen her in, in six years. And then he talks to her and he's like, Oh, when will I see you again? He's like, this will be another two years. And you're like, what is this incident that's happening right now that is going to delay this? And it's, um, it's just a really interesting way that they unravel the backstory of it. Um, and it, it's just a really, really good sort of just mystery, a little bit of spy thriller, a little bit of whatever. It's not super action heavy, but it is interesting because then Jeff Bridges is this clearly lethally trained killer, but he's a 70 year old man. So he, he does some really interesting and, and fun things that end up ultimately killing a few people along the way that you're mm. like, Oh, I didn't know. Whoa. Where did he just come from? How did he, how did he tap into that? And it's, you can see they start in the show. They show as the season progresses that he's, he's four or five steps ahead of everybody. Um, and you aren't there just yet, but the show brings you along in that. So that's a really good one too. If you're like, all right, I'll pay the 10 bucks for a month to, to binge the bear. Um, I really recommend the old man on, on Hulu FX as well. Sweet. I was going to say kind of when you were talking through it, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, old or slow horses, um, which I think I've plugged on this show before. Um, but that also, that's like a MI5, so more of a, a English slant to it, but, uh, and that's on, I think it's on Prime or Apple. Um, so we'll plug that one while we're at it with, uh, with the old man. And, uh, what's the, the next show that you've got on your, uh, on your checklist? I, I, w I think we should talk about succession, but before we get to succession, cause, cause you haven't seen this, I, this is what really sparked my my uh, passion here this evening for the Points League podcast. So over the spring and, and leading up until um, the summer here, I was watching for the first time The Wire on HBO, which is pretty widely regarded as one of the five best TV shows of all time, whether it's Sopranos or some of Game of Thrones, although people feel very particular about that now. Um, but it was it came out you know early 2000s so it, it was not anything that was on my radar uh, growing up and then in college I was we were more concerned with entourage than we were yeah. um, anything else um, somewhat for good reasons given some of the, the ladies in, in entourage but um, so I went back and watched I went to watch the the wire and it's about uh, the drug scene in Baltimore and and sort of cocaine and heroin and um, I was really excited for it because everybody said it was really good, and it's honestly the most overrated show I've ever watched. And I am—I cannot believe that I've been listening offhand to people make remarks about these characters and throw gifts and tweets or whatever. And this was the whole show that everybody was talking about. 
Now, it is still, like, I guess good. It is not bad, but it is, there is no redeeming characters in the entire fucking series at all. I was mostly rooting for one of the drug dealer guys because he's at least, like, a savvy businessman. And I'm like, you do murder people, and you do want to see people basically get entirely addicted to your drugs, but you at least understand that, like, these things are corrupt, and maybe you'll get out of the game one day and take all your drug money and get into real estate or something. Like, no. And he's, he's still a pretty terrible character. The second one was a, a, a drug user who was, like, pretty terrible and does, I guess, sort of get clean there by the end. But, like, he's also responsible for a murder or two. And it's like, everybody is just a shitty person. Mm-hmm. And it was not, not a shitty person in the, like, they're a villain way. Like, there are some shows and things where, like, you, it's the p- corrupt police department. And you're like, okay, I can, I can totally root against these guys. These guys were just, like, bad. They were just, like, bad at their jobs. Like, they would, like, forget to take notes or take a camera snap of something. And then, like, they totally botch an investigation because they just fucking suck. And, like, the main character, Jimmy McNulty, it's just like this functioning alcoholic that you just can't you can't root for. And I was like, wh- I'm waiting for this to maybe turn around or whatever else, and it just never got there. I, it is, you know, what everybody does say about it is that it is the most sort of accurate representation of, like, the drug scene in, in many cities and, and sort of the, the struggles between uh, elementary schools and kids growing up in these families and poverty and housing and local politics and the police and whatever and that's certainly true but like i could have watched a documentary for that i wanted this to be this it's a drama like it is it is accurate but it's also literally a fictional show like none of these are real people so i'm hoping for something and i just could i watched the entire series all five seasons like i i'm never gonna watch a single episode of this ever again in my life Hmm. so that that's what i needed to get off my chest and share (laughs) with the world is that that is the most overrated show i've ever watched I've uh, I've considered doing that a number of times, especially like when like Amanda goes off and has like two or three weeks, and I'm like, I'm gonna watch yeah. something that we would never watch together, or something that she's already watched, and she watched it when it like, came out, um, and I'm kind of curious whether or not like that's part of it is that it's it just feels dated because it shows like what like 20 years old now, like, yeah, something oh, yeah. like that. Because it starts off about pagers, mm-hmm. and getting a wire wow. up on pagers and and stuff and then like a big part of season three is like them sending picture messages and they're like oh my god they're sending pictures now and i'm like yeah it's the technology is a little it is very dated so i have a question for you and not to uh to jab you or or jack but like do you think if someone watched the west wing for the first time they might have similar feelings to that show that you have about the wire posters up on my wall behind me (laughs) i can just barely see them yeah oh yeah um yeah probably it's a little rough like i and i've rewatched west wing a number of times uh it's a little rough because it is very topical some of the technology things are weird because like they can't get people up on cell phones although Mm -hmm. the pages are pretty good or whatever time so like oh a character missed a call or whatever um it's also pretty dated because of um the issues of the day like there's big parts of the west wing that are about like uh gay marriage which actually is in a way like under more threatening now but um these things are resolved like there's a whole episode about the internet and like oh stuff getting posted on a blog and news breaking that way that 
can be a little rough um, on a on a rewatch of The West Wing if you're watching it now in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to Succession, which also concluded, uh, I think, in the beginning of June or like the middle of June. Very like so pretty recently. It felt like that. And that concluded, and then the bear like started the next week in the states. Um, yeah, but uh, it was, and it was the the series finale. Um, only got four seasons of Succession, um, which was, pro- which has been my favorite show um, for some time now. Um, but what were your thoughts on the final season? I really liked it. Um, it's not beating out the bear season two for me, but. <laughs> Um, it's good, yeah, and then unlike the, I guess maybe this was this is a me problem in terms of watching The Wire that I expected that maybe there would be good redeeming characters. Whereas I went into Succession and it was pretty clear right away these are not in Succession. These are not characters you want to root for. Right. You're actually in a way kind of rooting for their demise in certain ways or whatever else. And there's then just some some comedy bits mixed in. Um, so then you come into it feeling feeling differently. So. Um, I really liked it. I spoiler alert if you haven't watched uh, Succession, hit pause. But whatever. Um, I like that Tom Wobbsgams ended up as CEO. Yeah. Uh, that felt really like interesting. That him and Shiv, like that was actually the dynamic that I really enjoyed the most hmm. um, in terms of characters. I, I kind of cared less about Roman or um, Ten. Uh, as storylines, I really was interested in this like relationship dynamic between Tom as this guy trying to be a self-made man and work his way up, but dating for power and, and that sort of a thing. And I did really love, I forget what episode it is, but they're, they're seen out on the balcony of their apartment, mm-hmm. um, at, really right towards the end where Shiv, I think, reveals that she's pregnant to Tom. Um, and those two, just from an acting perspective, really let it all out right there and it was this it, it was a really well done i think scene and um is that even true and, huh that's just yeah. what i remember yeah. from the from the dialogue yeah. like she's, he yeah, said, she, she says she says that and like, yeah, is that even true he calls her if yeah. it, as if she's gonna lie to him about it which is not implausible like right some of the things that happened in that show um but it, it was good. I really liked it. I do think four seasons was the right amount. Um, it was weird. You know, when I first started watching Succession, I was waiting for Logan to die because he that's basically the first episode is that we think he's right. going to die. And then it actually just comes out of nowhere in the last season. Like you're, everything's fine. Business kind of dealings are happening. They get on a jet plane. And then that's the last you ever see of him. And all of it, then they do a really good job, I thought it was, because... In that that episode, they're just on the phone. Tom is in the plane with what is Logan, who is dying. But all the other characters are like on the ground elsewhere, so you can't. They can't come to him. They can't get a doctor to him because he's in a plane. And I'm thinking that like they're gonna, he's gonna pull out of this, Mm -hmm. you know, this whole time. And it was a really interesting way. But that by the end of the episode, like you were still even. I was still in somewhat. I had like ten percent of me that's like, I think this is gonna be fine. I don't know how they're going to write it out where it's going to be fine, but no, he's actually he's actually dead, um, and they killed him off. And it was, I think, a really really good show overall. And and had you know, given that they had to do half of the series during the pandemic, yeah, um, it, it, it's you can tell like in season two or three there where it's like, oh, this is a 
interesting episode. There's not so much happening. It's just a few characters on screen. They're in one location this entire time. Um, I think they managed it pretty well from from that perspective, and, and I I think it's a it's a really really good show. It ranks above the wire for me, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think a lot of people do give it a, a sort of top ten credit uh, overall. Yeah, I would say that season two of Succession is probably my favorite because I think if you watch season one, like it builds pretty slowly. Like it's just kind of like some really like. You, and as you said, you, you're not really cheering for anyone. You're just kind of like, what is this? Because there's no, like, there's no real protagonist, really. It's just, like, people right. just being shitty to each other, like, all the time as they, like, try to establish power. Um, and then once what happens with, uh, with Ken and uh, uh, that kid driving him occurs, I just feel like everything gets, like, pushed in season yeah. two. Um, in a way that, that I found really enjoyable. Um, and then obviously it's, it's kind of, you know, transition to the end and you can't really have succession without, you know, the owner dying. Um, so, and I feel like Brian Cox, um, who plays, um, the, the head Roy, um, wasn't really thrilled <laughs> the way he was written out of the, the last season. I feel like if I remember, he just had some comments like, so, I don't know. Maybe he just felt like he should have been in there until, like, the sixth yeah. episode or something like that. But. I definitely read that, too, that he was, like, not happy because he thinks he was the star of the show, which he kind of really was. Um, and I, I, what I would love if I could find it or, or um, you know, put some truth serum into the, the creators, but, like... I wonder if they wanted to kill him off sooner, mm-hmm. earlier in season, you know, maybe not in episode one, but like in season one or something else, and then kind of do the domino effect. But he's just, he was so good. He was such a good actor, and it was a great character that, like, you kind of have to have to keep it with it. Coincidentally, uh, you, I mean, The West Wing is my favorite show of all time, but that's exactly what happened with Martin Sheen's character in The West Wing is that they were actually designed the entire series. It was supposed to be really about the staff, and the president was really not going to be involved at all, like very sparingly at all. But like Martin Sheen's too good. This character is actually working too well here in the pilot in the first few episodes. It's, it needs to be a central character. And I, I wonder if they had a, an ex, a similar experience that they felt like they had to keep him in. And then, uh, yeah, by the end, I definitely read the, like, pieces right as the season finale was coming out, the series finale, and that he was, like, you know, really... <laughs> Really not thrilled with the way that his character died off. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Really good, really good series. Um, I think many on uh, in the league have, have seen it. I, I know Vandy makes a point of not watching shows until they're completed. Um, so this would definitely be uh, probably number one recommendation. That's that's in you know, oh, that's yeah. been recently completed. Um, I don't know if he's already watched it, but. Uh, would go to the top for me. Um, what else? Any? Oh, we both saw Oppenheimer. Um, yeah. What were What did were you your thoughts? In, uh, did you see it in IMAX or anything? I, I unfortunately did not. So there's a movie theater about. It's about a ten minute walk. It's actually exactly. It's in the same building I go to the gym at, um, and I watched it there. So I did not get the IMAX experience, which is regrettable because um, it's Christopher Nolan. Like you should really watch all yeah. of his films in IMAX. Um, but, uh, but I thought it was really good. Um, it was a packed theater, um, which is not an experience that I've, I've had in probably yeah. six or seven years. So, um, and I haven't been to that many movies either. But uh, 
But uh, I thought uh, the performance, the performances, you know, throughout the cast were great. Um, what was your experience like? Yeah, I really liked it too. It is every bit of three hours. Yes. Like, <laughs> I, it wasn't just a, oh, I've been here for three hours. It was like, from the moment that movie starts, you're just right into lots of different things. And there's a ton of characters in this entire movie. Uh, I did, I, four minutes in, I was like, I really wish this had closed captioning. I, mm-hmm. I feel old. I need to know names and be able to read along. Cause there's just a lot that's going, but um, I really liked it. The Robert Downey Jr. character, Robert Downey Jr. is really good in this. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because you know you just sort of attribute him as Iron Man now, but uh, it, it was a really really good performance, and he, he really stars in sort of the the second half of the movie. Yeah. Um, in many ways, it, it, it was really really well done. I really liked it. I, and I saw it in. IMAX, although not officially the 70 millimeter version, which I guess is the true IMAX, and there's only 20 of those throughout the country. Um, but it, it is worth the, the extra five, ten bucks for the IMAX version. Um, I really, really, definitely liked it. Yeah, definitely would uh, would plug it. Um, make sure if you're taking someone with you, they really want to be there. The person next to me <laughs> fell asleep about halfway through. <laughs> Um, oh, no. and no, I did not You're know that. I, 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 I actually went and watched by myself. Yeah, no, it, it, I mean, it, little, audibly snoring, um, which was super annoying, but I was like, that's just inevitable. Like people get dragged to movies and like, if it's something that that's historical, I just find that if you're not into that sort of stuff, they drop out pretty quickly. Um, but, uh, I, I saw that I haven't seen Barbie yet. Um, I do want to see it. Um, I'm not heard good things. Yeah, I mean, it crushed the box office. I mean, it was like one of the more historical box office weekends in terms of nominal dollars. Um, I I think I'm going to have to wait for uh, a young lady to go with because going to Barbie as a single mid-30s guy really puts off Predator vibes, so I'm going to have to hold off, I think, on... I'm Barbie until I can get the stars to align. Well, make sure if you do that, that you're just like wearing like a, a cutoff um, and, and, and show up with a big old tub of popcorn and make sure you make like weird noises every 15 yeah. minutes. That'll, that'll definitely please the people. Um, but yeah, uh, I want to see that. I don't know if I'll see Mission Impossible. I've never, I've, I've only seen a couple of the Mission Impossible franchise. Actually, I don't know why that is. I don't know. If, I just have an aversion to like, Tom Cruise being in a franchise, um, but I've like tried to figure out why I've never really been into like into the Mission I did, Impossible I, series. I saw I saw the Mission Impossible. Um, it was pretty good. Like it was fine. Like it was worth the price of admission. It's an action movie. It's not as good. I I haven't seen all of the Mission Impossibles, but I think it was uh, Ghost Protocol and another one that was like eh, five or six years ago. That, that Those were individually like really, actually really good. This one was pretty good, mm-hmm. um, but it, it, it was, it's worth the price of admission, but also if you don't watch it, you'll be, you'll be fine. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, is there anything else coming up in the next few months? Like, I don't, I don't, there's nothing that I'm really looking forward to um, that, like no movie wise or TV wise no it's it's pretty it's pretty light and it's gonna be interesting with the writer strike and the actor yeah. strike you know a few months is probably not really the end of the world but if this goes on like to the end of the year or something then 
a lot of other stuff will get delayed in terms of uh, coming out again. Yeah, well, it, it's funny you mention that. So uh, Amanda and I were supposed to go to LA, um, which is where she's having, it's like a, this big political conference. They have it every year out on the West Coast. And because of the hotel- Is it the George Soros conference? I need to get my George Soros to be in a lib. <laughs> sure. I mean, I mean, this is this is for political scientists who are mostly liberal, but there are, you know, there are some conservative uh, political science professors. Anyway, the hotel union is also like involved in this as well, and like, oh, so like, and like, it, it's just created an enormous issue. So she ended up actually canceling her ticket. I am still going to go out and see. Uh, Christian um, yeah. and hang out with him, but I'm gonna probably have to intrude. I haven't informed him yet that I'm going to stay with you guys um, rather than stay at a hotel. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, it's funny that you you mentioned the writer's strike, but yeah, I, I do think um, it might create some some pretty significant timing issues at some point um, down the road. Yeah. Um, the one but, thing there is one thing that's coming up, and it's the Justin Fields MVP season. That kicks off early September. Really gonna gonna be nothing but lights out, I think, for 17 straight weeks. Get your bets in on him being MVP. <laughs> you make a good chunk of money. Right now, yeah. He's probably I, what I'm, plus forty thousand. Probably. I haven't looked. Um, I should put a little bit. Of money. It's probably not gonna happen because they would at least need to make the playoffs. I think they could, um, but they're probably gonna. If they do, it'd be like they're ten and seven, and most of the NFC North is ten and seven or nine and eight, and they win a tiebreaker to get in, and that's that's not um, usually uh, Jalen Hurts MVP type of a MVP winning season. So, uh, but I think he's gonna have a really good year, and I'm I'm obviously very bullish on the Bears. It's exciting. I will. Uh, I think the next podcast I do will probably be with Matt, and we'll probably do a little a little football episode and also you know wind down right before the fantasy baseball playoffs which will certainly be in that race um get maybe a an 18 month after sean left the fantasy football league see <laughs> see what his his feelings are about running the league and, and how things have changed and and all that sort of stuff so maybe we'll do it an episode like that um and also just kind of kick off i mean obviously i'm still very much invested in watching the Bengals each week um and uh I'm, I'm excited to see what they do again this year it's it's definitely been a change going into uh into games just expecting to win um which has not been the case throughout most of my life so uh it's uh it's been weird it with, be nice. with yeah. burrow at the helm yeah um, cool well we're right out an hour um, so we'll go ahead and, and cut this off here and the next time you hear my voice I will be with Rob Crabb coming to you from Toronto Ontario we'll, st we'll talk to you later Tim bye see ya Welcome back. It's been a week. I am no longer with Tim Byrne talking about movies and other forms of entertainment. I am now here in Toronto with my good friend Rob Crabb 
aka Bob Crab. Welcome back to the program, Rob. It's great to be back. Yes. In Canada. Exact. It's it's been a month since my wedding, and you're back in Canada. I guess it would be safe to say that uh, you just can't get enough. No, I can't get enough of that maple syrup. Yep. And that friendly, friendly uh, kindness that the uh, people of the north like to extend with a uh, a nice sorry. <laughs> yes, sorry. Uh, certainly a common refrain that you'll hear here. Uh, why are you here again? Uh, so I had to come out here. I actually won a. We did like a sales blitz of who could drum up the most business and opportunities uh, for our branch in Canada. And so being the competitive person that I am um, and a former champion, I took that with uh, in stride and uh, dominated my, uh, my work team and uh, brought in the most opportunities. So I went a beautiful trip to exotic Toronto, Canada, where I've been here for a week, uh, like Tuesday to Friday. Um, and uh, just to show how us Americans go, went on a sales call. One call, one close. So I'm batting a, batting a thousand here in uh, nice. beautiful Canada. So uh, it was nice to show my VP that I can sell anywhere. Excellent. Yeah, it you got pretty good weather here uh, this week. I, I don't think it rained too much, and you saw the Jays with Grayson. Yeah, I got to see the future of, of my team uh, with Grayson Waterberg. Got to see Vlad uh, get walked a couple times, which was really nice. I would have preferred a home run, but. Uh, but yeah, the weather actually, it was, it was surprising. The weather was nicer than I think it was for your wedding. It wasn't, it was like the seventies, I think all week. Cool. Uh, I was expecting it to be hot and humid. So. Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can't ask for much more than that. We had a, a lovely time yesterday venturing to the loose moose and, uh, and this jazz bar, um, and then getting up and taking a stroll down to uh, Mill Street. Uh, good times all around. Uh, but going back to the baseball, like how would you kind of sum up your season? You have an absurd amount of money um, as of this recording, August 5th. What are you going to do with all that cash? <laughs> going to spend a lot come March. Uh, it's a going to be a unique experience because I am usually, regardless of my team's performance. I'm usually a buyer at the trade deadline, and uh, I think I took a good hard look at uh, what other teams were doing and, and, and where my team stacked up, and I just think the reality was that I was not going to be contending for a playoff or a, uh, a championship, so I decided to pivot and had some pieces that were valuable to some people and more or less accumulated wealth through those um, and going into next year I'm, I'm super excited to be able to just kind of throw my big dick around and do whatever the hell I want uh, and not have money be uh, an obstacle of getting players that uh, will help bring my second championship uh. yeah man I mean you've got I think like somewhere around like 20 20% of the total do dollars in the pool right now or something like that yeah, I mean, I would love to pull off one more deal, get over the $600 threshold. Uh, it would be really nice to be $100 plus over anyone else. Um, and I think I have some pieces coming back next year, uh, i.e. hopefully a healthy Walker Bueller, and then you throw in probably Garrett Cole and another couple of star pitchers and a couple of hitters. I think 
uh, it'll be a quick uh, transformation back to getting back to the top. Yeah, I think you'll uh, you'll definitely be penciled in uh, to the top four um, just even before the the off season starts. So. That'll be new for you, having a good write-up in all likelihood. I mean, I'm going to star this podcast because I don't think I've ever, I think, penciled in as a top four, I don't think it's ever been uttered out of your mouth. So uh, with great, great pressure comes uh, great yeah. expectations. And Yes, and, and in this case, they would be well-earned, um, which isn't typical. And, and but, but great great job on your part, you know, and, getting the cash that you can. You got a bunch of money from me for Lindor. I did. I got. I, I mean, I took money from a lot of different people, and um, and I think uh, the draft this year, I learned a lot of what not to do. Come a draft of, of being just, um, you know, maybe partaking a little bit too much in the beverages and just mm-hmm. not being as coherent to try to build a championship team with a lot of money that currently sits I think in sixth, sixth place, fifth place, maybe trying to get into the playoffs. Um, so uh, hopefully, we'll we'll do a better job of making sure I. Uh, create the ultimate. I mean, my goal next year is 18, 19 wins. It's a good goal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, ideally, I'd like to be the first team to go undefeated and uh, <laughs> pop off a bottle of champagne like good. the 72 Dolphins. Good luck with that. <laughs> it is so difficult to to win every single game. Like, it just doesn't work out. Just like with schedules, you just inevitably end up running into some buzzsaw with five pitchers on Monday and just... Or like a VJ week that you just, you know. Yeah, or you're running to VJ, um, and he spoils stuff. Um, I think I'm going to beat VJ this week. Um, very relieved about that. Um, you and I were kind of talking about it uh, at dinner last night. Um, I, I feel like there's uh, two or three teams, or really like three, three, maybe four if you include Tim, vying for two spots um, between myself Fandy, who I think you alluded to, Matt Nicewinger, and then and then Tim. Um, how would you go about handicapping? Um, you know those those last two spots because I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Kaiser and Andrew are going to take um, the One top two. two. Yeah. Um, so it's between you, Matt, and Fandy, Fandy, and and, and Tim. you can throw you can you can throw your analysis on Tim because I think Tim's in a really awkward spot right now. Yeah. Um, so, I would have, before Musgrove went down, I would say Matt had a good opportunity to um, secure one of those spots. I think um, losing a pitcher like that uh, at this critical time where, you know, the next couple of weeks are going to be really important. Um, I think I think you're safe. I think you're going to solidify the three spot. Um, and I think it's going to come down to Vandy and Matt, and I think it's really going to come down to this week who decides uh, they want to take one or two more players from my team and give me a little bit more cash. Um, but I think, <laughs> I think I um, think I'm rooting for Matt. I, I you know I've given him a couple of pieces that I would hope uh, helps his team, but um, I I have a feeling it's going to come down to to Matt and Vandy, and um, somehow Vandy is going to figure out a way to squeeze in um, and I think it could be I think we could have some drama that last week um, and it could come down to points yeah I think there's a really good chance that those scenarios play out that it comes down to the last week and that points are going to be the tiebreaker by the way if you hear that uh, that sound that what uh, sound we are conducting a, uh, a soccer draft um, as we speak or slow draft we're going to do some analysis on that 
uh, in a few minutes, um, given that we're about halfway through, but I just wanted to let everyone know uh, what that sound is. Um, Real quick, does Matt and Vandy play each other one more time before the end of the year? I Let me look that up. Because that will be a huge matchup. I think they do. I know everyone hates when I click. I unfortunately do not have my quiet mouse with me. So let's see here. Hosmer Sexuals. Um, yes, they actually play against each other, not next week, but the week after that. And then Matt has Kaiser, has a, a walk against uh, William, and then he finishes with Tim. Oh, Tim could be a spoiler. Yeah. He keeps Gossman around. He, he could be a spoiler for Matt. And then I play Vandy next week. Um but he's also got, yeah, he plays me next week, then he has Matt, then he has BJ, then he has Jack, who's having a pretty nice week. Uh, and then he finishes with Kaiser. So Vandy's got a pretty tough run. Um, it's, I think it's going to be really close. I, I think Vandy, I think there's a, actually a decent chance I end up having a stronger pitching staff come playoff time, but I feel like Vandy's in a better spot right now against me. Like, I expect to lose next week. It'll be interesting to see if Jack makes any moves this week. If, uh, I mean, he's been coming on really strong, unfortunately. I think it's going to be, it's it's a little too, it, little too, too late. late. Yeah. Uh, but if he makes any moves that maybe lessen his team, does that matchup for Vandy look a little bit better? Um, or does Jack just stay put? Just keep being spoiler and winning week after week. Um, yeah, it. I think that Matt, that Matt Vandy may be the matchup that decides who's going on to the uh, four seed and who's going home. Yeah, and I don't. I'm not really sure um, off the top of my head, like what Jack would really want to part with at this point, because like his guys are pretty cheap, like especially his outfielders between Carol Harris, Rosa Rain, I guess is. I don't remember his price off the top of my head. Oh, he's like six or eight. He's cheap. So he's he's cheap. He just lost Bichette, um, which hurts. But he just got back Nestor Cortez. I could see him dealing Cortez and Clace, um, potentially. And then he's kind of got a bunch of guys who you don't know what you're going to get at any point in time with, like, Lance Lynn, Alec Manoa, Dean Kramer. Um, he just made that deal with Fandy for Nick Lodolo, and I think Nick Lodolo will be back in about two weeks. So that could actually aid him um, as a spoiler. Uh, he's, I mean, I would trade JT Rilamuto if I were him, but he's got, like, a team where I don't know that it's, like, super obvious to, like, trade someone. So, like, he might just kind of play this out with what he's got. Um so yeah, I I think Jack's gonna be a tricky one to get by. Um, I barely got by him. I got by him with the stack correction. Um, fortunately for me, I know how that feels. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been blasted the last second there. I thought I was gonna get a victory against you. And yeah. Hometown scoring decided to play it a different way. You just weren't quite good enough for you. No, uh, I think they need to realize that uh, I've I've written a letter every week or an email <laughs> to MLB trying to get this corrected. Um, doesn't make much. Uh, it won't affect me much now because the season's over. But I was hoping little May every every day I'd wake up, check the scoreboard from that game, see if maybe they did change it. Just not tell me. But yeah. Well, there, I actually did look into um, like the stack correction, like kind of like the statute of limitations, because they will sometimes go back and change stats from like over a month ago. 
but basically Yahoo has said like if it doesn't happen within like the first within the first three days at the end of the week of like the following week it won't have any impact on the scores oh so like yeah so like that would have been nice to know and not wasted five minutes of my week every week (laughs) (laughs) yeah you can stop writing (laughs) um but yeah it's uh you know we're, we're getting to the trade deadline the real fantasy baseball trade deadline um I think there's probably going to be, I think there's three to five moves left. I think I've got one more move to make. I'd really like to uh, increase the quality of my offense, which I think is lagging. I'm going to get Woodruff back tomorrow, um, which is going to be pretty huge for me. And I added a Lizardo from Adam yesterday. Um, so kind of filling in some of the holes that have developed on my pitching staff with Eovaldi going down, with Stroman being awful and also going down. Um, so hopefully they can replenish uh, what's been a pretty good pitching season for me. I had Fromber throw a no-hitter um, earlier in the week, which was pretty cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm super weak on hitting right now compared to the rest of the uh, the playoff contenders. I mean, I do have some, some I think uh, out of those three to five, I want to be a part of those three to five. I think I have some more players that are just eking to uh, just get, get out to a playoff. Uh, I mean... You have Stanton who's heating up. I mean, we have everyone's... Uh... I, I mean, that is, like, kind of my, like, face of the franchise player historically, I would say, is, is. is Stanton. Like, you probably associate Giancarlo Stanton with me, like, when you see him play. I would I would have to think that many of you... Yeah, I would, he's, he's been a staple of the the uh, Mayor McCheese teams. Yes. I mean, Especially I, the early years. I mean, you might want to just bring him home. Bring him home? Bring him home. Give it some thought. Give it some thought. I've got a couple other feelers out there also trying to make some moves. Like Marcelo Suno, he's also a guy that really, really is heating up. And I, I have such mixed <laughs> feelings about acquiring him because uh, he's so streaky, and I just don't want to. I don't want to get caught holding the bag of him like and like ripping off like thirty points in eighty at bats, um, like as we go down the stretch. But I don't have anyone on Atlanta. Um, which is super annoying when you play particularly Andrew or Kaiser because they have, like, their top three hitters. Um, so you have number I, four. I would, I, would like to get, I would like to get a piece. Um, I guess I could also, like, try to acquire my namesake, Sean Murphy from Gower. Uh, but I've got a pretty decent catcher in Williams Contreras who hits the top of the order there, so I don't know that I'll go that route. But if it, if it comes to that, I, I guess... Ozuna would represent an upgrade over uh, Chaz McCormick, who I have, who I added this week, who's been on fire, but, like, I just, I'm not really sure that that's actually a real thing. So, we'll see. We'll see there. Um, but yeah, I think I think there will be a few more trades. Did you have any thoughts on the end of the actual MLB trade deadline? We saw Scherzer and Verlander get dealt. Yeah, I think just living in San Diego... Um, it's been a really love-hate relationship uh, with the fan base there. Um, and I think there are just so many people kind of just fed up. And I think we all expected the Padres to sell. Um, all the rumors were Blake Snell was getting dealt, Josh Hader was getting dealt. There was even some talk of Soto getting dealt, which that that I never really understood just because we had spent so much uh capital and acquiring him last year that I don't think you, you, you let him go but um, they swept the Rangers and so 
they kind of put a juice. I mean, I all kind of relate myself to the Padres because I think a couple of years ago I, I had like a week or two where I won two games and thought instead of being a seller, which I probably should have been, I decided to go out and be a buyer. Um, they went and got a bat. Cooper. Um, I can't remember where he's from, but. Um, oh, Garrett Cooper. Yeah. He's from Miami. Okay. So they got they got a, an extra bat, which that's not their problem. I think they're plus 75. In run scoring, so um, to me, if they were really gonna make a, a charge, um, they should have got. I don't. I don't think they had much to give, but they should have gone after Verlander or Scherzer. I think you add another big ace to that lineup, especially now that Musgrove's gone. Um, I think would have maybe given them a push to to make for the wild card, but I think um, they're just gonna fizzle out and. Um, I think they could have gotten something for Josh Hader uh, to help build for next year. It, it's very disappointing because they're they spent so much money and everyone had such high hopes that this team is just shit the bed, if you will, and and even to the point where they want uh, Melvin fired. Um, I think they all thought he was going to be the savior because what he did in Oakland without having talent, but he's just I don't know if he's not the right manager to to galvanize that clubhouse to get the most out of him, but. A lot of people were pissed that they didn't bring Brucey back, yeah. um, kind of bring him back home. Um, and I mean, he's done amazing things in Texas. I feel like that's a convenient scapegoat, but like, I mean, for one thing, it's one simulation of the season. They have an immaculate lineup. Like, I, I, I guess my my question would be, you know, at what point do you blame AJ Crowler? Because um, he is certainly one that is, you know done a lot of wheeling and dealing in his time there and hasn't quite delivered the goods certainly has put out pretty exciting product there's a lot of expectation now which for a long time there was no expectation in san diego and some of that is obviously the owner too being willing to spend um but i i i'm just kind of curious like what like how much gets pushed back on him um because like for me like the manager is such like a, a small part of that like when you put out Fernando Tatis, Machado, Soto, uh, Xander Bogarts, like, at some point, like, those guys have to be responsible. Yeah, so there is, there has been some, I think, behind the closed doors of the locker room, uh, they all don't get along. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, when, when, when Tatis actually first came up, uh, him and Manny did not like get along at all. Huh, um and there's been there's been talk that um, Tatiste, as, as skillful as he is, may be the clubhouse cancer, if you will. Oh, um, that's bad for someone who's got like four hundred million dollars. Right. Well, because if you look at the team, when he went out last year and and got suspended, yeah. and they went after Soto, they really came together, and I think it brought them. Uh, they banded. I mean, they beat the Dodgers. They. I mean, yeah. they really. Um, became more of a unit, and I think this year going into it, they figured, all right, Tatis is back, and I think even Tatis is like, they got that far without me. Now that I'm back, like, right. I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the guy that that puts it over the edge, and I think they have lost um, that us against the world type mentality because because I know going into that Dodgers series, everyone counted the Padres out, yeah. um, and so it was really fun to watch the team come together um, and and be able to. Pull the upset. Uh, they just ran out of juice against the Phillies, but it's um, 
I don't know. I, I hope it's not the case, but there are rumors that like Tatis is just um, more of a self-centered uh, individual about himself, and um, and maybe that's part of the reason why they got Bogarts. Maybe eventually Tatis, with all that money, they, they move him on to somewhere else that would that would take the contract. I.e., the New York Yankees who have said to have coveted a player like him. So it would make a lot of sense. Like I, I would imagine you could probably trade Anthony Volpe to San Diego if you wanted to. Obviously. Bogarts is at short right now, but I don't think Bogarts is going to be at short for a super long period of time. Um, I know a lot of Red Sox fans said that he probably needed to, he would need to move off of the position as he aged, um, which I think makes sense. And then also he like moved Machado at some point, um, but he's still really, really good at third um, from what I can tell. So uh, that's an interesting Situation, I could definitely see Tatis being on the Yankees. Um, would certainly be on brand for them, uh, and probably and probably as a replacement for someone like Stanton. Like you do like a Volpe Stanton package for Tatis, because Tatis. I don't think Tatis can play in the infield anymore with all the shoulder injuries. But you, know, you put him out in center left for the Yankees, um, and you got Judge. Like that's. That's real nice. You have Bader in center. That's a pretty nice outfield offensively and defensively. So I can see it. That would be super exciting this offseason if that, that came to, uh, to head. But um, something to keep our eye on. Uh, another thing going on in San Diego is it sounds like you guys are going to get an MLS team. Uh, so tell us about that. Yeah, very excited. I actually put in for uh, season tickets um, as a founding member. Um, I think it's been a long time coming. There's always been that rumor that San Diego was going to get an MLS team. Uh, we built Snapdragon Stadium for the San Diego Aztecs football team with um, the understanding that eventually you know, we would get a team. So it was, it was built with soccer in mind, uh, and we've actually had two matches. Unfortunately, I couldn't go, but we had the U.S. national team play and get upset by Panama. And then uh, Wrexham played... Uh, against Manchester United, and I think actually Byron maybe. We had actually three matches. We had another team come in. Yeah. Um, which I'm super excited about uh, San Diego getting a sports team. I think we're, uh, after the Chargers left, there's been a huge void. Yeah. Um, and I think this is going to be a good way to give us another option outside of the Padres. Um, it'll, we'll instantly have some good rivalries with L.A. I mean, we hate everything L.A. in San Diego, so the fact that there's two teams to hate. Um, it should it should really set up a nice little uh, triangle, if you will, between the three teams. Um, Manny Machado, who has become Mr. San Diego, I think he's probably actually the last player that they would trade because he has really yeah. uh, embraced the San Diego people. And, and so he's part owner. Um, and I think he's been brought in more as the rah-rah guy and kind of get the uh, push for San Diego. So, uh, But I'm super excited. I was... Uh, wasn't sure if they were going to get it, um, but it's really nice to see that we're we're putting we're pushing forward. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised at some point. Uh, Landon Donovan is a big San Diego soccer guy. He, he's on the USFL or the USSL side uh, with this San Diego um, loyal. I could see him being brought over to the MLS team and, and helping out. Um, I'm a big fan of. I think he's. He, he's coached them pretty well. He also is a coach of the San Diego Soccer, so I think he's got a good mind. Um, and would would kind of 
bring that entertainment value to with the first or second year of, of having him be a part of it. Um, I think that would help jump up some more exposure for San Diego. Yeah, that's super exciting. Makes a lot of sense just thinking about that market. I'm sure there's a lot of soccer fans in that area. I was going to ask, actually, does Tijuana have a Liga MX8 side? Because I would think for that competition, that would be a really passionate rivalry. Um, they do have a team. Uh, I've actually flirted with, with going because it's you could take uh, you could trolley or, or take an Uber to that border, walk across, and I think the stadium is another... Um, we'll say three miles or okay. or five kilometers since we're, yeah. we're in Canada. All right, yeah, metric system, <laughs> baby. So, uh, so it's really close. Um, and so I've flirted sometimes with, with going down there. I just haven't found anyone to go with. So um, I'm sure if I asked Christian to come down, he would. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he'll be there. Yeah, pretty pretty easily. I'll actually see him in a couple weeks. Uh, and actually, I'll be leaving before. Messi comes into town um, to, to play against LAFC. Um, super exciting stuff going on domestically with soccer, uh, with MLS. I feel like more, it just feels like they're just going to continue to expand and expand and expand. And you know, The thing about the, the MLS product is it's a great in-person experience from everything that I've ever experienced. I've like basically never really been to an MLS game where I was like, wow, this is awful. With it, probably the exception, like off the top of my head, is like, I feel like the Chicago experience is not great compared to other fan bases, but that would be certainly remedied by a better stadium situation, which is a big part of it. Um, and then with the Apple deal coming through, I think one of the difficulties that um, fans are having is like the fact that it's on Apple. Most bars and like won't carry the game, so if you're trying to watch it out, like last night, I was interested in perhaps watching FC Cincinnati play, but most of these bars don't have Apple TV, so I can't watch it. So, like, I think that's something that MLS needs to help out with um, in terms of the television product, because the actual production value of those games is definitely better than the local um, product that was being uh, created previously. Um, Do you know why they went with Apple? Because, like, to me, that's the same kind of... My thought process would be if you're trying to continue to gain exposure... And if you don't have Apple, and, and like you said, if you go out to the bars or anything and, and the bars don't have it, like why was Apple their choice to be it? I mean, it feels like you're almost being almost exclusive. Yeah. Um, oh, no, it, it basically is exclusive, particularly in the States. Like we can get some of the games here in uh, Canada because the, the, the contracts don't really overlap. So like a lot of the games that, you know, whether it be Vancouver, Montreal, or Toronto FC – like, those games are still on, like, Sportsnet or, or TSN. Uh, but I, I think the, the thought process was, if you put it on Apple TV, well, Apple TV is global. So you can get folks in Europe to watch these games that previously they would have had a really difficult time getting. You know, now these games are in South America, they're in Africa, they're in Asia. So, like, you're kind of sacrificing, I would say, the part of the fan experience domestically for that exposure for that deal. And you can also, I would imagine it makes it a little easier for a Lionel Messi deal, which I mean, he's making a ton of money, but let, don't forget, this is like a closed, you know, a closed system. Like it's a very much a salary cap league. Um, and I think those uh, chains will be released um, steadily. So you're gonna be able to get continuously like slightly 
better players um, or incentivize them to, to come over um, at different points in their career. Um, so would you be so what you're saying is next time we go to England and we're at the pubs at two in the morning, they're gonna be just chomping the bit to watch some MLS soccer over their after their premier matches are over. I don't know. That they, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know that they would have it on in their bars. But like if you're watching at home and you have Apple TV, you know you can throw on Messi now. Yeah. Um, you know, it might be like 10 o'clock at night. But. Do you think there's a cap, though, of how many, you know, it's great that they're expanding, but is there a cap of how many teams? Because then at, at what point does the league then become oversaturated? Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, they're also, they want to make money. And I mean, I think the early stages of MLS, some of the cities they went to, i.e. Tampa Bay and San Jose, yeah. uh, were markets that, you know, are no longer in existence. So, um, Oh, you're talking about Chivas. San Jose still has a team. Oh, they still do. Okay, but Tampa Bay doesn't have a team anymore, correct? Or do they have a team again? I don't think Tampa Bay has a team. I think Tampa's. Te- I think they have a USL team. Because it used to be the Tampa Bay Mutiny, like when they first. Yeah. Like, then that they- is not. Um, yeah, I think like in terms of kind of saturating um, the market, I I think as long as you have owners that are interested in continuously kind of pocketing money off of these expansion fees like because the the fee to get in is enormous and it rises every single time they do one of these rounds um i i think you know as long as they everyone can check off you know the the mls checklist in terms of you know the ownership having enough money to pay for it having a stadium in place and like i know when fc cincinnati went through their um bidding like having a stadium in the urban core was really important um so like i think that uh i i'll be interested when they get to 40 i think they'll eventually get to 40 teams um and i like i i think you know teams like like sacramento a a louisville uh indianapolis uh i I think las vegas las vegas like i i think i think there's plenty of room to bring in because it is such a good in-game experience and like you know it's only we're only generally talking about 20,000 seat stadium so it's not like we're talking about like a football um stadium where you need to fill up like 65,000 so like I, I think they can continue to do it I think the the push will be like when does this become some sort of pro rel situation um or like again at some point does that just make sense and maybe the pro rel you just have like like an A and a B league more or less like like the the A league would be basically the equivalent of the Premier League, and the B would be like the Championship. But you don't go below that until they can figure out a way to make it profitable for the owners. Like if you went down into like to U- the USL, because the USL actually is implementing uh, pro rel within their like three leagues. But like again, it comes down to the money, and like if you are a owner and you just sunk. $400 million into a franchising fee to get into MLS, and now all of a sudden you're not in MLS at the top level, that's a bad business um, situation in my mind. So I think that's really uh, difficult. I think, too, the American public, while there are some diehard soccer fans, I think for them to understand that will be also a little difficult because no other league that we have um, do you go up and down based on, yeah. on your performance. So... Uh, I think that would also be trying to change the culture of, of getting to understand that. Um, but I guess with 40 teams, though, and I guess you're drawing players from all over the world, but, like, 
think the other team, the other thing you have to worry about is you want to make sure the level of play is there because yeah. just just having forty teams. I mean, that's another you know, what is it, twenty on a you know they have twenty on a team or something like that. So you, you're bringing in more players that may not be A B caliber players. You may have a few more. C or D players, and then of course, then you look at the world and looks at America Soccer again. Is yeah, they have a big league, but what's the talent level? Yeah, you certainly don't want to like dilute the quality of the players, but I think you know, you're uh, the MLS, MLS has gotten to a point where they're very much a selling league, and like they're you know, we see kids who play a year or maybe they don't even get to debut in MLS, they're so good because they get scouted by you know, these European. You know, scouting services, um, which is great. You know, the player gets exported, club gets a fee, and you know they're kind of you know on their own journey. And you know, usually at the back end of that journey, they come back to MLS. And like I think Christian Pulisic, for being honest, in six years, five years, is he in MLS? I think he probably is. Um, if if we're being honest, like I, I could definitely see Pulisic coming back, like either right after this upcoming World Cup. Um, or maybe just prior to, but like, uh, it, I, I think it's a, it's a good, like from that standpoint, a good issue to have, but like, I, I definitely take your point in terms of, you know, diluting the quality. Um, but I, I think you also have these academies that are developing players much faster, um, than what was occurring because these academies weren't in place. Like, I think that's the biggest thing that's changed over the past particularly 10 years is these academies are really beginning to churn out talent. Um, so I, I I think as long as you have an entertaining league, I think that's the most important thing. And like is and it's a blend of high quality players and you might you know, you're gonna have you're, you're gonna have some bad clubs. Like there's no getting around that and that but that's any league. Do you do you foresee uh, obviously not in the immediate future, but but maybe long later in our lifetime where the money is equivalent to a Premier League where we're, we're spending just as much on players as as, as they are uh, in terms of um, I, drawing drawing these players to come over here because they can make just as much as if they were. I, I have a difficult time seeing that in our lifetimes. I mean, the, the money that gets poured into the English Premier League from all of the different television agreements across the world is so substantial. And, like, everyone wants to go there. Like, everyone wants to play in the English Premier League. And I, I can't really see MLS even with throwing... I mean, because, like, basically what you're asking right now is basically what the Saudi League is doing. Like, they're throwing tons of money, and they're getting some good players. I mean, you've got Sadio Mane going over there. You've got, you know, Ronaldo's obviously there. And, like, the list kind of goes on and on. But, like, I, I don't know that that's going to put that many more eyeballs in that league for whatever reason. Like, it's just, like, kind of... Kind of comes out of nowhere. I think, I, I but I do think the M- that MLS could brand could you know with the development of the academies and also with continuing to brand and put in good production quality, um, will make it pretty marketable. So that like could it be on the same level as like a, a Ligue 1 or like something like that? Yeah, I could see that in the future, um, especially as the salary cap restrictions um, wane. But um, I I. I, I think MLS has been really smart and like not really trying to worry about how they look compared to the rest of the world and just try to, you know, you know we're gonna work on this, you know, right now and and you know I I, I do want to say like 
I actually think the television production quality is like kind of an underrated um, component. Like if you watch like soccer on with like poor production quality, it is not fun to watch at all. And like it really does change your experience. Like, and I would say that also about like any of the other sports. Like if you're watching something that's of poor quality, you're gonna change the channel. Um, and I don't think that like I really realized that as much until like maybe the past like year and a half or so when I've like moved to Canada, moved to Canada, and really seen like you know how poorly how poor the production quality is for some of the stuff that like Canada does like in terms of like some of these games like broadcasting is is awful and then like all, you know you watch you know even the NBC production I think is really good. Um, for the most part, when they're producing their games, is part of the reason that you know the English Premier Premier League's taken off in the states. Um, but like, it's a big part of it. It's a package. It is a product. Like, yeah. don't like never lose sight of that. Like, this is an entertainment product. Um, Do you think? Um, and this is just like hypothetic, but like with all the, because um, it seems a lot of more owners in like NFL mm-hmm. have started putting money into like buying uh buying premier league teams yeah do you think that they're doing it i mean obviously it's to to make money but also maybe to get a better understanding of that and then down the road buy mls teams to try to mimic um something like that over here i i i don't really maybe if it's like a young like a super young owner because like usually those folks are going in with like private equity groups and I think it's it's a cash play. Like I mean, you yeah. look at like what LeBron's done. Like I, he's got you know a piece of Liverpool. You look at what's going on in Wrexham, and like I mean, they're they're doing it on a whole nother level because they're going from the very bottom, you know, of it, and they're gonna reap the rewards of an absurd ROI whenever they decide to sell their shares in the Wrexham franchise. So like, I don't know that there's anything to really glean from say your standard like billionaire going and you know purchasing you know, 20% of Tottenham um, or something like that um, but like I yeah I, I don't I don't know that it I, I don't know that there's anything to take and then implement um, for like an MLS I think I think if you want to get into buying a franchise of MLS you just go and go and do it because I mean I'd rather own all of an MLS franchise than you know be a minority owner of Manchester United or something like that. Um, like, I think it's purely a, a business investment for the most part. I mean, United is, they've been trying to sell United now for six months and it's, you know, there is something to the emotional piece of it, but like, you also know that in 10 years time, this thing's probably going to be 2X, you know, what, what they pay for. I mean, look at what Jordan just did with Charlotte. Yeah. He was an awful owner. And he just made like I think like two and a half or three times his initial investment, um, selling it for a couple billion when he's bought it for a couple hundred million. So like, just I I, I think it's just the rich getting richer, um, and people opting out, especially when they get to, you know, maybe they're closer to the end of life or they just don't want to like deal with it. Like you retire, you take your money, put it somewhere, go live on a yacht somewhere, you know, live that lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's uh, let's chat about the the draft. We're now in round eight as of this recording. Uh, you had a pretty. You started your draft with Marcus Rashford, um, which 
I was not a massive fan of the pick right there, but then you followed it up with, um, I thought, a really good pick uh, as I scrambled to pull up your team. So uh, Bowen was my next one. Yeah, and he's one of those guys who he gets a lot of you know assists, he gets a lot of peripheral points, um, definitely a guy that, that I've had on my team and that, that I would have loved to have seen come back around. Um, what uh, would have been your uh, would have been your thoughts on the on the slow draft and how your team is shaping up? Um, so the slow draft, I will say, uh, not the biggest fan. Um, I think there's too many lulls, uh, especially when you're amped up uh, on a Friday night in Toronto and you're just itching at the bit to uh, <laughs> to make some picks, and then someone decides to go to bed early and kind of stalls the draft. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get it. I think it's um, this way. There's, I would hope there's less uh, auto drafting. It gives people a little bit more time. I think to, um, you know, get more value out of the draft as opposed to sitting down an hour and just pick, pick, pick. Um, but with that said, I don't know if twenty four hour was a good time limit. Um, yeah, I mean, for that part, I just wanted to make it easy on myself. Because, like, the other way to do it, and we'll be changing this tomorrow, is I can put a sleeper timer on it. So, like, that's what we'll be changing to. Um, I think it is super frustrating um, having these massive lulls um, that happen. But at the same time, like, when we started this, it's, you know, it was during the work week. Everyone's got different things going on, different time zones. And I know, you know, particularly, like, the first, you know, seven or eight rounds, like, I think most people kind of know who they're picking, but like we're also kind of getting to the point where I know a lot of people are picking players that they really don't know all that well. Um, so we'll be switching to kind of a three-hour window tomorrow, um, and, and hopefully um, we can we can queue it up and, and move along. I, I'm hoping that this is finished uh, sometime Tuesday. Um, it's kind of what I'm eyeing. Uh, so it's been it it's been a bit bit of a grind compared to the, the World Cup game. But we also had fewer spots. Like, I think we would have been finished by now because um, we only took, like, six guys, whereas this is a roster of 16. Um, but, you know, on the whole, I, I've been fine with it. I think I'll probably, next year, as a, as a learning experience for myself, I will keep the slow draft format, but I think we'll just start at a three-hour window, um, and I'll just really encourage people to you know, if they don't make their pick live to go ahead and fill up their queue. Um, can, so that can you pause it, though? Like, for, I, like can pa- I can do whatever I want on fan tracks. Okay. So, because that, that would be the thing, like, a three-hour window, like, but say, hey, at 10 o'clock, it's a hard stop. So, be, so that, like, while right. people are sleeping, they're not. Right, right. <laughs> that's, that's what we're doing. So at 1130 tomorrow, I'll put it on sleep. 1130 Eastern time. Okay. Um, so um, hopefully that allows everyone to, you know, get who they want. Um, but, it, like, I think at this point, like, we're picking younger guys or, you know, really pure speculation and then kind of taking guys to fill out our starting roster that will probably get moved pretty quickly. Um, so much of the game is, uh, you know, the hour before the game actually starts. Um, I would but, say that coming to Toronto this time around, it's, it's been very beneficial. I think I've, I've picked up a few nuggets Good. That um, I'm hoping uh, will aid me in, in a more successful run at run at uh, maybe 
a top four finish. Um, so I think I'm a little bit more energized. Um, I think, um, and I think I mentioned this last night. I mean, when I'm in baseball, when I'm in it, I'm I'm making sure I'm at the 12:05 a.m. To, to pick up those those players. Um, if I can, if I can draw up enough excitement where the first couple of weeks I'm, I'm winning, maybe I'll make sure that I'm up super early uh, <laughs> and checking the lineup so that I can make the, the proper moves. Um, maybe Medema can give me like some 4 a.m. phone calls to, to pick up some players. As he, as he likes to be my uh, um, uh, general counsel in advising me uh, who I should and should not be picking. Um, and I will say I, I was quite disappointed as he was super excited to, to lend me some advice. And then by, I think, pick two, he was nowhere to be found. Two. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little, a little disappointed, Brian. So next time, don't, like, sell your services so high and then just leave behind dry. And, um, coincidentally, the picks I've made after that first-round pick are, are more my type of picks. Uh-huh. Um, so that first-round pick really was, was was really Brian leading me that way. And, and if uh, really? and if you didn't like that, I mean, it's really a, a reflection on Brian more than, than me. Noted. <laughs> Noted. Our, our champion, first champion not named Sean Murphy. Uh, and congratulations again to Brian. I'm excited. I'm actually, frankly, I was pretty relieved that someone else other than myself won the league last year because um, it was getting uh, a little stupid. Uh, so does this, infu- does this fuel you to like, all right, now i got to get back at it. Now I, now yeah, I can't I'm, just skate I'm, by. Absolutely. No, I, 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 I mean, I wanted to win last year. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I was like, it would be really good for this. <laughs> um, but I do think, like, I'm excited for Jordan and Ken um, who joined. It seems like they're uh, definitely going to add a lot to the chat, pretty knowledgeable, um, and hopefully, um, you know, continue to make this league more and more competitive. Like, my favorite thing isn't, like, really the winning or anything like that, but I, I like, I, I love this part of the year because you have you have all the transfer talk um, and, like, you know, all the gossip, what like, who's going where, that sort of thing. So, like, I, I think it's, it's fun um, to get people's perspectives on, you know, what's going to, how things are going to play out and, like, getting folks, like, like, I think Ken has said a couple things that, um, kind of went against conventional wisdom um, with, like, signings and stuff. So I like having folks like that. I mean, we've got Olivier, who's definitely more the, the French connection, but I think he adds a lot when he chimes in. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that we're kind of continuing to grow kind of the community of people who are connected with one another. Because, like, the bet and I was telling you this last night, like, I think one of the most fun things about being in these fantasy leagues is when – someone new comes in the league and you actually get to like meet them and chat with them and, and get to learn a little bit about them. Um, so like, uh, you know, if I'm in Chicago, which I am relatively frequently, um, and I know many of you are there, like I, I, like one of my favorite things to do is to meet them, you know, at like a, an English pub and watch the game and, you know, just shoot the shit on what they're thinking and, and, and watching. Um, so like that's, that's the best part for me because it's not like there's a lot of money in this league. <laughs> I mean, it's very much a pride league, um, you know. Aside from you know the the small amount of money, I mean, it's it's such a, a, a like a small you know what is it? It's twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. Yeah. yeah. So like no one's no one's losing their shirt. They're not. You know, it's it's maybe a, a decent night out to dinner for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. For yourself, <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. 
Um, I think I bought a jersey. I think the Marcus Rashford jersey that I got, I actually bought with my winnings. Um, or and, the yet you're, and, yet you're, and yet you're bashing them. Yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> I don't. I don't love the pick in our format. Like I just, it's it's a little too much of a a, a uh, what do you say a uh, goal dependent player. I just really like having players that can contribute uh, when they when they aren't scoring. Yeah. Um, or assisting. So like. But he had a great season last year. I mean, he's going to put up points to start every match as long as he's healthy. Um, I'm all for uh, if Mar- if Marcus Rashford wins the Ballon d'Or this year. I'm all for it. I'll be very happy if that's. I mean, I'm all for it if he does it, and then helps me win the uh, the league title. That would be it. Would be pretty incredible for someone from the West Coast to win win the title, but. I mean, I'm kind of going with the mindset. I kind of want to sweep. I kind of want to try to do the double dip of fantasy baseball and and uh, Premier League. So I mean, what better way to to start off uh, that with a with a strong August and uh, finish this this draft off pretty strong and and, and build a team and like really surprise me because I think it would be surprised if I was. It would be. It would be like I think that would be like super fun. Like just having. Just the scrum, like, as rosters are announced, like, if you were in there, I know Vadima's going to be there, I'm going to be in there, Jack's going to be in there, Olivier, like, the new guys, like, you know, people mixing up. I mean, Vandy had a great season last year. Um, so, like, I, I think I think watching that sort of thing, like, I remember there was a guy that I dropped in, Olivier actually picked him up right after I dropped him for that match, and he outscored the guy that I picked up. I was so annoyed. Um, so, like, that sort of dynamic, I think, is, is what makes it fun. Um, I will say, uh, not that I, I'm, I'm making a huge plug for them because I still do not want to go this route for baseball, but the fact that they finally got their act together and, and, and have an app, I think that's really going to benefit. Who are you referring to again? <laughs> Scott Vanderpool. Or, 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 oh, Fantrax? Fantrax, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's, still, it's, it's still not, uh, I would say, 100% there on the, the app, but I, I do like it. Um, I think it'll make things a lot easier than me having to create my favorite app myself and go in through it and be more manual and more work and I'll be honest that's probably why I was like fuck it I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go look for players through my, my phone and so this will make it a little bit easier um, and so I'm, I'm glad that they finally invested uh, in, in a app yeah I think I mean the, the thing about fan tracks and this would be the pitch for it to come to baseball is that you could do it year round you could pull these trades off without my manual intervention. Um, although, I, I mean, I do feel like there is, it is sort of fun doing it in kind of our old school spreadsheet fashion, um, but it would also be nice to be able to just have something that's automated. But I think we all like come, come to you to, 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 to uh, manually pull these deals off. It, it, it makes my day <laughs> more, it, it definitely like makes my day more fun because I'm so jacked up for the baseball season. Usually... Right around January first, when you say that the league is open, yeah. well, <laughs> I'm usually doing my research in December when everyone's focused on fantasy football. Of course you are. So, like that—that that is when I really dig into to the data and uh, and try to formulate who I'm going to take um, or trade, um, which is usually the more likely case. I'm, I, it's usually for the trades that I'm going to make in that off season. Um, but yeah, no, it's it I it. I'm glad that it's it's becoming more favorable to you. I am not pushing to move off of Yahoo. I, 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 I think Yahoo would be wise to 
I don't know, maybe put some money into this offering because they really haven't updated their offering in terms of the fantasy product. Like it's basically just been the same thing year over year over year. They haven't done much with it. So if they could make it a year round thing, that would be amazing from my perspective. Um, like it, it adds some of the optionality that, that Fantrax has because there is a lot that you can do in terms of like bonus points, like I, I could do a lot more with, um, you know, what we're counting is like stats and going back and changing things and even in the, the draft interface. So um, I would like, like Yahoo's pretty basic. It's, it's pretty behind um, in my opinion, but in terms of baseball, we'll stick with Yahoo until it's just like, we have to move on because this is just such a better product, um, but we're not there yet. I do have baseball questioning when sure. you want to get back to it. Uh, yeah, let me... I'll, I'll just say, like, I I just wanted to kind of comment on different teams' drafts at this point, because yeah. I am going to put this on the soccer thread, which is pretty unusual, um, but um, I... Like, just kind of going left to right with Boyd. Um, obviously, took Holland. Um, that's going to give him an opportunity to win pretty much uh, any week, like if he just goes off, um, I don't know what to make of Mason Mount at United, um, which kind of depends on whether or not he's getting corners. In my opinion, like the United corners situation is like all over the place. Sometimes it's Bruno, sometimes it's Luke Shaw, sometimes it's Erickson. Um, but I know Mason Mount took quite a few at Chelsea, um, so I I'm curious to see what his involvement is at United, like because I I wasn't a big fan as of the signing as a United fan. Uh, he got the other Bruno. Uh, don't really love the Van Dyke pick. I'm all right with Harvey Barnes. Be interesting to see how he assimilates into Newcastle. Uh, with Andrew, he got Bruno Fernandez. I thought I would have taken Saka, but you know you can't really go wrong with Bruno. He's easily the most important offense player at United. Uh, would you have taken like is Holland the like the number one pick is that the guy? If you had the number one pick, you think I would not. I in this format, I probably would have went Saka or uh, Trip. Or I, it would have been difficult. I either would have went. I probably would have went Saka, but I could have also considered KDB, even though he's coming off an injury, or who I drafted last year, and he was the number one point scorer, if I'm correct, and that was Kieran Trippier, because um, he jacked almost. 400 crosses into the box um and had a ton of key passes and assists and like he was just like very much a focal point for the Newcastle offense whereas like you know things get really spread out in City um but I and and like Saka has got midfield and forward eligibility he's gonna do a little bit of everything as well so I think Saka would have been um I think I think I would have chosen Saka then went Holland then went uh, Trippier or Bruno um, or KDB like there are a lot of like like there, there's, a, there's a lot of good options at the top I was really disappointed to see uh, Trippier go um, a couple picks before I got to go uh, Olivia was the one who took Saka um, Jack took Sala you took Rashford BJ took KDB which I thought was a good pick um, Trent Alexander-Arnold I'm really curious to see how he uh, maybe in some ways bounces back from what I thought was a disappointing year for Liverpool last year. Um, I I really like having someone who can score as many points 
as he can at the defensive position because it gets pretty rough pretty quickly. Um, and he's you know one of the top guys. Um, so I I definitely wasn't opposed to the pick. I I would have went Trippier over Trenaller TAA. Um, Jordan went Odegaard. Um, I like Odegaard. I think I think he's more of a second round pick in my mind. Uh, I think Son. Um, I think he's a fine pick at 10. Um, probably who I would have went with as well um, if it had gotten to me. So Vandy took him. I took Martinelli, um, who I like is kind of a lesser version of Sock on the opposite side. Uh, Medima went James Madison and Harry Kane back-to-back Spurs picks. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if Kane eventually does leave at the end of the window. I know uh, we were kind of making mention of it on the chat that Bayern... Uh, had has basically this deadline and it's a bullshit deadline. Um, I agree with Eugene Levy for, or not Eugene Levy. Um, Daniel Levy. Daniel Levy. Jesus. Um, for uh, calling bullshit, like if he wants to sell Harry Kane, he can do it at any point. Um, that's a real power move um, from from my perspective. Uh, but overall, you know, I, I think this is definitely one of the better drafts um, that we've had since this league came into existence um you know i look for myself and medima to be at the top again um just based on um the past um but i i think there are folks who are in really good spots to to make some noise this year um and to, to finish in the cash so it should be exciting um and uh we're we're only a week away from it being back i think that's always the weird part about like the end of the season because like the season ends like basically like the middle to end of May, and then we pick it back up like just a couple months later. Um, there's not as much of a as a weight that you have in all the other sports. I mean, I think it's fitting that we do such a drawn out draft to go along <laughs> with such a drawn out season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I one thing that I wanted to ask you because Medim has mentioned it a bunch of times is having like a cup competition. Um, in kind of like a micro competition, like I don't know where, like maybe we put up like ten bucks and whoever gets like first and second, um, wins that. Like I, I know that there are those. Um, I'm not really sure how we would. I I have to review how that's set up. I can't remember if that's a separate draft, if that's something that we take from our rosters here, or if like that's maybe something that we turn into the World Cup game. I don't know how much appetite there is for doing more drafting um, with soccer, given that folks didn't want to do the Champions League game, like taking the World Cup game that we did and making that Champions League. I think that would be fun. I think one of the things that we miss out on in the States because of the work week in particular is we miss those Champions League uh, weekday games a lot. Um, but those are great competitions, super fun. Like, um, I if you get a chance to... You know, to check those games out um, during the week and you have some time, I highly recommend it. Um, it it's definitely fun seeing, you know, City versus Bayern or PSG versus United. Like, those are those are fun. Um, so Could have been fun to do the MLS. Uh, I, I do w- not. I, I, I love MLS. I don't know that I can do an MLS fantasy. No, no, I'm, not, I'm talking about the... the uh, the, the, the league that they're doing right now, that um, the cup that they're doing right now. Oh, the, yeah. So yeah, that's I an have, I would have I would have I would have uh, had a little a bit of an appetite for that. Interesting. I think 
You know, the one thing that I think we could do for that is, like, if we... Let's say we had a group of, like, six guys, and we just took turns, like, taking teams to win the competition. So almost like you do, like, like with, like, an Indy 500 or, like, a Kentucky Derby where you, like, take... Take like a team. Yeah. Um, like, I think that would be fun um, and, and really easy to implement. Um, I just on a Google Doc or Google Sheet. Um, it is your turn, by the way. Yeah, I know. I was I was focused on the conversation. I, I really am taking time to make sure that well, I. We've pick never this. had a live pick on the podcast, so like I feel like you're. Oh, making fine. History. All right, you know what? You want me to make a? You want me to make a pick? I just. This I, is like episode like seventy something. There's a lot podcast. of there's a lot of pressure though, because then there's immediate feedback of like that, oh, that was like. I, could I? Should I? Should I actually implore your help? Would you give me an honest uh, assessment of who I should? Should I be looking at to take right now? Um, uh, I'll do my best. Um, let's see here. What about? Well, like, where are guys like some of them? I don't even know who they are. I just also like I don't like to have a lot of the same. I don't like to have too many players from the same team. Uh, I like to diversify my portfolio yeah. with with players. Um. Like, if I was to look at right now what fan tracks is, it's telling me to um, take Matthias Jensen from Brentford. I already have a player from there. Do I really want to have two guys from, from there? You got two from Fulham. Yeah, I know. I, well, I'm saying. I ended up with so many from Brighton last year. It actually did cost me a week because they had their all their games got moved because of cup competitions. And then, like, I had, like, my entire roster off for that week, which was super annoying. And it, it actually did did give me a loss for sure. You know what, we'll go with we'll go with we'll go with Jensen. So I can I, I, I've I, had him on my team before. He's he's fine. Alright, that that helps solidify the pick. Alright, so it'll be officially uh I, I think in the eighth round, like I, I think Jensen's a fine pick. Um it'll be interesting to see how they manage without Tony this year. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how Did it go through? See, now we're having technical difficulty with the Fanchex app. Are we? I, I put it in. I don't know if it... Well, is this a technical issue or is this a user issue? Ah, uh, it's a technical. This is definitely technical. I hit, I hit the, I hit the, do you want to draft? And I clicked yes. Oh, refresh it. I've done that. I've had that happen a couple of times. When oh, I on the app. On the app? On yeah. the Fanchex app? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See again. There's, there's. I'm not saying it's ready to be that we're ready to move off of it for the for the baseball league. Um. Let's see here. So let me ask you something completely unrelated. So we're doing kind of a double pod this week with Tim uh, from last week, and then you, just kind of oh. similar. Pick just went through that click of the noise. Fantastic. It kind of it kind of mirrors you know the whole Barbie Oppenheimer thing if. If this was if this podcast was a double feature, would you say that you were more Oppenheimer or more Barbie, and in like in relation to Tim? Um, I would say I'm more Oppenheimer. Okay, why? Because I'm just. Do you think Tim's hotter or like? He's more plastic. He's more plastic. Tim's more plastic. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm blowing up my team. I'm looking for, you know, kind of a, a, a uh, uh, make a big point, and uh, you know, I'm looking, I'm revolutionizing. You know, I, I'm not someone that has typically been a seller, yeah. uh, and I'm trying to make, you know, 
a big move and, and, and really blow things up, if you will. A, a destroyer uh, of worlds. <laughs> I am a destroyer of worlds, and it's going to be more apparent next year when 11 people are going to be very sad to see me get my second title. Oh, my God. That's um, probably not going to happen. But, but yeah, I think I think you got a good chance finishing third. I think that's going to be in the cards for you. Yeah, we'll see. But... Yeah, I'd like to see myself as a, as a, as a I would say I'm more of the Oppenheimer than uh, than Tim than Tim is. I'm sure he probably, if you asked him, he probably says I'm more Barbie. But yeah, you know, uh-huh. to each their own. Fair enough. I do. I, I do wonder if uh, if Tim will come the trade deadline. If if he, uh, I wonder if he regrets spending so much money on a player that's not going to get him to the playoffs. I I think the difficult part about that deal was the fact that Aaron Otto got thrown into it. And, like, if you think about it, like, would you pay $100 for Kevin Gosman? Yes. Would you pay 50 for Nolan Arenado? I don't know that I would at this point in time, but I can't, I can't, I, I don't think it, I think Adam got full value. Oh, I applaud Adam, and you know what? I even applaud Adam even more because this trade went down during your during, dinner yeah. at your wedding, and just seeing... Adam and Tim at two different tables, and Adam's like giggling as he's about to accept it. Yep. He kind of gives Tim a kind of a, a wink of it's about to get accepted, and then then panning over to Sean, just waiting to the moment that Sean realizes he's out on the Kevin Gosman deal. Yes, and, and there had been some light. Obviously, I was very busy that whole day, but like there had been some light conversations. I, I did try to put it in Adam's ear to, if nothing else, drum up the cost for Tim, but. Um, yeah, and I, I, what's funny is I had envisioned, like, throughout, like, the planning of our wedding, knowing that there was going to be some trade that fucking goes down <laughs> at that dinner. Like, I had envisioned what actually happened happening. Um, I mean, so, I fully intended, I mean, I made my deals before the wedding, but I fully intended to go with a full arsenal of just slutting myself out to see who's going to yeah. give me the most money to take, take some of my players, so. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, no. It was, uh, it was expected, but, uh. Yeah, no, I, I am glad it was Adam. I'm glad, honestly, it was just concluded. Like, because last year Adam had Garrett Cole, and he waited all the way until the deadline to trade him to, to Johnny, and it just it just kind of felt like it took forever for that deal to get done. Um, so Adam doing it, you know, June 30th as opposed to August 8th, um, I, I guess was a relief. Because then you get the plan, you get the pivot and figure out, you know, where, where am I going next? Um, so I've made some smaller deals. Um, and oftentimes, you know, you, we always think about these big trades as being the things that change the complexion of the rest of the season. But oftentimes it's just whoever gets hot, like the last six weeks of the season, like the best move I made last year was spending most of my fab dollars on Blake Snell, who ended up being like the top scorer for the last two months of the season. If you go back to the finals matchup, the highest scoring player was actually Marcus Stroman, who was picked up that Monday. The player that had the highest scoring day in that finals was actually Bryce Elmer. Um, so it's like always amazing how like you'll have like these guys like Fromber and Zach Wheeler and Strider and like players like that, and then it's like the 60th best starting pitching option ends up having the best weekend. Like, you just gotta embrace the variance. Makes or breaks. So, question for you: Since you, um, I know you were married previously to like the actual um, ceremony, like the the your wedding that you had here a month ago. Have you uh, 
what was uh, your experience like going up to the wedding and then like like the post like because you and I are the two most recent yes. um, yeah, married, uh, married and, and having uh, wedding so like you guys feel like a huge high and then like a drop or, or relief I don't say relief but like kind of yeah so interesting question yeah so prior to moving to, to Canada and, and because we were already engaged um, we went ahead and got legally wed um, you know got all the paperwork and all that sort of stuff done uh, in Indianapolis uh, and then you know it was it, as much as anything like us planning for the wedding was just like finding the right date on a calendar that worked with what our families had and you know all that and like we wanted to have it in Canada um, and like I mean even as we've we dated um, or, or living together or whatever like we had different spots in mind at different points that we made sense like I think if COVID hadn't like um, or if we hadn't moved to Canada I think the wedding actually would have occurred like in Kansas City um, which would have been a very different event um, <laughs> than having it in Grand Bend, Canada. Um, but, like, in terms of, uh, like, the planning, like, it was a pretty easy wedding to plan um, from just from the perspective, you know, everything was on site. Every, like, you, as long as you can get there, you're going to sleep there, the beach is there, the ceremony's there, you can walk to it. Um, so, like, from that standpoint, it was pretty simplified, um, you know, we were able to, to get the band, which was from London, and that was relatively easy. You know, they came and set up in the, uh, in the early afternoon um, prior to the ceremony. Uh, in terms of, like, my feelings about it, um, it was just kind of, it was definitely one of those things where I was, like, looking forward to it. I couldn't wait to, like, see everyone um, and, and, and kind of just see different people from particularly different like phases or places in my life kind of coming together and, and integrating. Um, and so like, it was, it was really cool. Um, it was like our wet wedding honestly went better than I, I think either of us envisioned it. Um, it was, it was really cool being able to dance with my sister, um, to real big fish at the very end of the wedding. Um, it seemed like no one else knew what that song was. Um, we were really happy with the way that the band performed and interacted. We had so many people out on the dance floor just, you know, acting a fool. Including Marnie that we all got to finally meet. Marnie was dancing and like, I, I have a video actually of her and Chad dancing, um, that someone took and like, it's like. I think Chad danced with everyone. I mean, I think yeah. he also did a tour of everyone's wife of just, yeah. like, at one point, his wife wanted I mean, to dance with Chad. Really, the only person who really, <laughs> truly knew how to dance at that wedding was Chad. And he, he got to play the part, which was which was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so that was that was really cool when he was, you know, doing his thing uh, with uh, with Marnie. Like, that, like there, there's definitely just some moments that I had um, that I... You don't. I, I I hadn't really envisioned quite like the the dinner thing with the giraffe, but like it was um, it went really really well. Um, so I was I was we were both really really happy. Um, yeah, with I it. I think kind of jumping on your point of having different people from different phases of your life and seeing them get along and just interact. I think that was the one thing from our wedding that it was really cool to see. Just so many. That they were all strangers, but yet all coming together, obviously for the purpose of of you and, and us getting married. Um, 
you know, it, it's, it's good to see. And I think that's the one thing that, you know, sometimes people may worry about is like, you know, are people going to get along? Is it going right. to be like, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, at your wedding, I think everyone, it was, it was a really good vibe and everyone, um, the music was great. Um, and I think it, it really played to, I think it's just kind of the people that also you have in your life. I think that really is also, you look back and, and you see these people that you're sharing it with and, um, you know, for us, that was, I think, the high of, like, yeah. we really do have some amazing people that are yeah. connected in our lives, so. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was great. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think that that was definitely the cool part, because it's almost like a, a social experiment in yeah. some ways, like, the way that you put together, like, the dinner tables and stuff like that, so, like, there's so, I feel so much, we had a lot of conversation, we moved people around so much over the course of a couple months, um, just like, especially like the people who, you know, like, and I'm sure people know at the table, like most of the people knew each other, but there were usually like a couple of people who were maybe not from that particular group or that particular phase um, that they got to, to sit at the, the dinner table. Like I know my sister um, enjoyed sitting at, at her table, um, which was, was fun. And like seeing some of Amanda's friends sit with, with my friends, um, in, in, in some cases, I had limited interaction. I think the other thing that like kind of surprised me is how many people you don't actually know um, at your own wedding. <laughs> uh, I was like, I have no idea who about ten of these people are. I've never seen before in my life, but they're like with like they're like Excuse spouses yeah. of like Amanda's friends. It's like, oh, that's who that guy is. And like, did you feel like it went by real quickly? Uh, I felt like. The, like the ceremony into the dinner into the the dancing went really fast the pictures um, <laughs> took a while it was hot in that suit and like just getting prepared but like it was uh, and like actually Amanda was really sick in the morning um, from <laughs> drinking the night before um, but uh, Canadian but, beers. but she uh, yeah she recovered in time she was a champ. Um, she she woke up in a bad way, um, but uh, but yeah no it was it was great um, and uh, and we definitely enjoyed for those who stayed um, the the next day for Canada Day um, you know Adam Andrew um, you know it, you were there for for part of it and and some of Amanda's friends that was it was pretty cool I'd never actually experienced Canada Day I was in Detroit last year for Canada Day. Um, but it's very much like the Fourth of July. No, I was, I was, I was excited to be literally going from one country celebration to <laughs> another country celebration. I was just on a high from Canada Day right into Fourth of July. It was just a couple of days of just fun and excitement. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. Shout out to to Ali for having the foresight, just paying off the the guy at the door of the bar. Um, I think it's the Chicago winner. It, it's definitely the Chicago <laughs> winner. I was like, I was so impressed. So I was like, oh man, taking initiative, I mean, cutting these people. Fuck it, we'll, we'll pay to be in here. I mean, that's a move that a that a member of a House of Winners would make. It is. It is absolutely. You know, the the head the head winner of the House of Winners. Um, absolutely. Um, and I say that because I'm guessing Adam won't listen to podcast ever. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it was a it was a shrewd move by that lady. Uh, more power to her. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it was it was great. Um, we are actually still opening like the gifts. Like we, they just basically sat on our floor for like the past month. So if you haven't like 
heard anything from me or anything like that, it's if you did something kind of unique, it's it's probably just because we haven't opened it yet. Um, I think it took us months to actually. I mean, we had yeah. we had boxes of Amazon and Crate and Barrel and like just a bunch of stuff that was just like. Yeah. I think we were still opening at Christmas time. Really? Oh wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a good time, and uh, I'm looking for like a couple of people have asked about like our honeymoon. Like we're gonna do so we're doing something kind of interesting. We are actually gonna go to a colleague slash friend of hers wedding. Um, in Switzerland in October, and then we're gonna bounce from there and hopefully either catch like a Champions League game in Germany or a Bundesliga game or a Europa match if Brighton were somehow matched up with like whoever qualified from the Bundesliga. Um, so that's what we're doing towards the very end of October. Not going for Oktoberfest or anything like that. Really, just um, I think we're gonna miss it by like a week, but. Um, should be a really good time, but yeah, that's that's kind of what we're doing. It looked like you had a pretty relaxing honeymoon. Yeah, I I highly recommend once in your lifetime to if you can go to Tahiti. Yeah. And Bora Bora, it was it was pricey. Um, I had luckily I had um, I had one of those Hilton Amex cards, and so I had just milking points left and right, and so about half of our trip was was on points, but. Um, it truly was like my first ever like five star uh, vacation to the point where it, if for any of you that have watched uh, White Lotus, mm-hmm. um, it's what it really felt like when we showed up at Bora Bora. We get on a go to the airport, you get picked up from a boat, brought to the resort, and there the general manager and your personal uh, island mate, if you will, are there to. Uh, greet you, give you a tour of the facility. Um, instead of keys, they give you these like wristbands that mm-hmm. open everything. Um, I believe they're also trackers because uh, <laughs> no matter what we were doing, uh, usually when we'd like, be going to breakfast or dinner, our island mate Sebastian would ironically just show up and like, hey, do you guys need to ride back to your villa or anything <laughs> like that? Um, Liz thought it was just coincidental, but when he did it like three days in a row, I'm like, this is not coincidence. There's definitely, we're definitely getting tracked. Um, But no, it was, it was really a great time. I got to swim with some sharks and um, I think one of the cool things, my brother and his wife had actually gone to Tahiti for their honeymoon and got some good recommendations from him. And we actually went to this, so Bora Bora, there's like the main island and then they call Motus all around it. And so the main island, um, there's this really small French restaurant. The guy that started it uh, studied in Paris and did the whole um, French cooking um, and studied and, and opened this restaurant up. And then he had a protege that has now since taken over. Um, but it's like a restaurant. It's like going to someone's house. There's like six tables uh, and everything. He's the only cook. He has no, no um, sous chef or assistant or anything. He's the only one. He's got a glass that you can look into his kitchen, and the food was, um, it was probably one of my top three meals I've ever had. Um, oh, wow. And so we got, afterwards we got to go in the kitchen, meet up, and like he actually comes out to every table at the end and making sure everything was, you know, tasted okay and the food was good, and then we got a, we told him the story that he was highly recommended for my brother, and uh, we got a picture with him, so he was he was really excited, but a few celebrities have been there and have signed stuff on the walls and stuff like that, but, um, awesome. but yeah, it was, it was really cool, so... 
Um, well, that sounds amazing. Um, I think maybe someday get out there. Um, but now that you've mentioned food, kind of hungry. So why don't we go ahead and wrap this thing up? Is there anything else you'd like to say to the, the pod world for the points league? Yeah, um, I think uh, one little tidbit of Canada. I did go to the CN Tower and uh, was actually went to the highest point in the uh, Western Hemisphere. And so it really made me uh, excited to be on top of everyone looking down, uh, which is how I view my season for next year. Mm. Um, and then uh, I think the other little side tidbit is uh, I've actually completed all of my schooling uh, for my private license, and now I'm just waiting to have my official check ride. So, wow. congratulations! Thank you. So, come draft time next year, if anyone needs a, a lift anywhere, uh, <laughs> Crab Airlines uh, should be up and running by then. So, oh my goodness! <laughs> can't wait! Can't wait till you come in with Vandy and Andy shitting his pants like just smeared on his legs like in terror. Also, probably really intoxicated. Super drunk, super incoherent. Like, can't wait. Um, but with that, we'll uh, we'll talk to everyone soon. I'm hoping to get Matt Nicewer on for a little fantasy football chat prior to uh, the start of the season. Maybe here in a month, and uh, and kind of wrapping up the uh, the fantasy baseball. Did, uh, real quick question: Since yeah. we are in Canada, do we have to like? Say something in French or something to like appease the people of Quebec. Like, do we say like sure. au revoir or 